What is this? A crossover episode? Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the No Boundaries Podcast, where the facts are facts and opinions hurt people's feelings. This is another one of those crossovers that we like to do. I guess, I guess you can call this a crossover, right? It's the definitely most, a crossover. The most ambitious crossover event of all time. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so so me growing up, I had yeah. a difficult name. So I'm not going to call you Keith. Okay. So, but tell me if I do this right. All it's right. Scotting, right? Uh, say that again. Garan? Uh, that is actually pretty pretty close. It's Garan. Garan. It's just but not Karen. Anything but Karen. I've been I've been I've been traumatized by roll call days. The first day of school, no matter what grade, it was the worst. Cause I knew as soon as the teacher was looking at like the roll call sheet with a crazy pause, and mm-hmm. I, I I knew my name was next. It was traumatic. Yeah, see, I, I went through the same thing because my first name is Javis. And yeah. we're in Texas, which means we're close to Mexico. So they're looking at it as like, ah, adios. <laughs> <laughs> you call me Jay. Just call me Jay. Yeah. But ladies and gentlemen, we have Karen from the Nice Cast. You guys call me Keith too, by the way. <laughs> oh. Okay, I tried. I tried. I wanted to give you that proper We could just do Keith. Try. I'm going to call you Nice Guy. Yeah. <laughs> How you guys doing, man? Thank you for having me on. It's America, man. That's how we're doing. <laughs> it's, it's it's always it's always fun to be able to just scroll through your phone and just go on an adventure of what's going on in this crazy ass country. Yeah, man. And like when I when I when I look I, I I go back and I listen to you know all of our episodes. I listen to your I listen to your shit. I listen to our stuff. You know as much as I can, as much as I could bear to hear my voice. Um, and I and I sit there and think, I'm like, damn, like, there's always something new. And I'm just like sitting there like, what was it like when we were growing up? Like, was it always like breaking news every day? Because it feels like it's breaking news every day. It does feel that way. And, and that's why I said when, we, when you asked us about the topics, I'm like, bro, like, I know I've been listening to you for a while, but for the for the most part, you know, you're a comic head, which I've always felt. Like I've always gr- agreed with Sean when he said, like, when they look at, uh, you know, people that are in the comic books as nerds. I feel like, I feel like when you say geek, you know, maybe that's in a sense sounds a little cooler. But I just kind of feel like, you know, it's just it's a it's become a who would have ever thought that actually somebody actually being into comic books would be a part of pop culture and it was actually cool, you yeah, know. Man. So. I'm trying to figure out, like, when did you get into it to the point where you were comfortable getting online and, like, basically that being who you are? I've always just kind of been myself, even through various schooling, where it seemed like, you know, in high school, people gravitate towards what the cool thing is and and all that. I've always tried to to maintain a unique sense of just who I was. So I really, I never even actually thought about it that way. So when people talk about things that are either trendy or they talk about things that, you know, um, they feel like they have to talk about to fit in. It just always baffles me because I always end up wondering, like, are you really into this? Is this a genuine interest of yours or are you just doing it to be part of the conversation? And that that always, always bothers me. Even until today, it seems like we see it now more than ever. Like where you you tweeted the other day where you said uh, uh, the, the trending topic page on Twitter Oh man, social engineering at its finest. 
And it makes you wonder, like, when people speak about things and they go hard these days for with their passion for a particular topic, are you into it or are you talking about it because you feel the need to belong and have that association? And I mean, that's that me, water cooler conversation. Yeah, man. For me, it was always just be like, left out. I'm okay being alone and isolated and just being <laughs> myself. I, I find solace in that in a weird way. And lately I've been wondering if, if like maybe I'm psychotic for that for that mindset. You, you know what they said? Um, You know, they said I was reading something and they said um, the higher level of testosterone that you have, you're more uh, likely to be comfortable in isolation. And it can be dangerous, you know, to an extent because, um, you know, that's so that that socializing and that um, physical uh, the intimacy, the affection, and just being around people is healthy. But like when you think about, you know, cavemen and you think about warriors and stuff, they were fine, you know, you know, either being around just their guys or if they were on a, you know, a solo mission because they had to go hunt and gather for their family, they were perfectly fine being on their own. But that, you know, that can have its danger. That's probably why you're sitting there reflecting like, damn, like I'm really comfortable just sitting here watching BVS for the uh, for the 15th time. So, but yeah, but I, I don't think you're uh, psychotic. I just think that, you know, that just says a lot about your everyday routine. I think yeah. it also means that you're at a specific comfort level with yourself. Because mm. a lot of people that have to go out every single weekend or go out multiple times, Ooh. you know. Who, do, who does that? Be honest, who does that the most? I would say women do it the most. I know, I know a few guys <laughs> that are always seen. Oh, I know, I know. I, I would say women do it the most. Like you have to, you have to do a Sunday fun day or go out like on a Tuesday just randomly to to smoke hookah or whatever. I think you just don't have that comfort level in yourself to where you can be like, I'm just gonna chill at the house because there's no there's no reason for me to get out. It's just Saturday. Do I have to go out just because it's Saturday? <laughs> Not really. Hey man, I, I guess I have to ask this question. Sure. So, you know, once again, when I when I think about your upbringing, mm-hmm. what what do you identify as? <sighs> don't 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 give me don't give me alley oops like that, Wally. <laughs> don't throw me alley oops like that. Lately, I have been having these weird ass thoughts internally about I don't know what the cultural identity is of Indian Americans. I really don't have the slightest clue, and then. I started thinking maybe I should like dive deeper into this, but then I was doing some research and saw that African Americans, Hispanic Americans, Asian Americans in general, we are all to a certain extent struggling with with this bicultural identity. And with the African American experience, what I thought was really fascinating is uh, the the article I read was tapping into how you guys. I think I think for me it made me even more empathetic than anything I've ever seen on Twitter about people trying to get you to care about certain social issues uh, issues it's um you guys are like coming up and trying to function in a country that was f- predicated on slavery yeah. right and yeah. that bicultural identity of i am coming up in this environment this is the history there's no like you can't fake the history you can't do anything to escape that history how do i not carry that weight with me at all times like how do you truly liberate yourself from those experiences and when i look about the when i think about the indian american experience i just feel like we're a mix of everything i'm telling you guys when i was in high school because i was so influenced by hip hop i was wearing 2x 2x 
throwback jerseys. I can open up the closet and show you guys right now. I got Jordan. I got my Kevin Garnett Celtics jersey that when he moved to the Celtics, 2XL. And that was because of hip-hop. And it's great to have that influence. But I'm thinking about that now. And I'm like, yo, why was I wearing jerseys that now are first not even fashionable to wear? Like They don't even fit me now. And what's messed up is that I have the Bullets throwback jersey for Jordan when he was on the Wizards, and I would love to wear that now. <laughs> and it's like it doesn't fit. It goes past my knees. And I started to then think even more and more about what does it actually mean to be an Indian American? Because I haven't figured it out yet. I'm oh, still okay. on this path because I can tell you about – this is this is something that always trips me up is the idea of proposing because in our culture we don't propose, and when I was in a relationship that was a toxic relationship that I reflect back now on and, and can come to that conclusion. But at the time I was like, okay, well this is someone that I would like to get engaged and and marry and start a family with, and she was really big on the idea of proposing, and she's like, I want my friends there, I want everyone to be a part of it and in my mind now that i think about that i'm like we don't even propose so <laughs> so why are we uh why are we um doing customs that really aren't part of our culture right so if i have kids i start a family what part of the indian experience am i going to be able to 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 instill into them or are they going to be full-on American. I mean, the paper is going to say that they're born in America, they're American. But that's not true because they we have like this rich cultural history um, of lessons. And the way we look at the world is, is very different. Like Eastern philosophy, when you compare it to Western schools of thought, is very, very different. And the more I think about that, I'm like, Eastern philosophy makes so much sense to me because it's basically telling you that everything is just chaos. <laughs> You're constantly living in chaos. That's it. Yep. And, and you deal with it. And the the, har the harmonious aspects of life live together peacefully with chaos. These are both aspects of life. But if you think about the Western philosophy, it's very much giving you that good, bad, evil presentation of like, we got to look at the world as black and white. And it's really not that. It's really not. It's really not that at all. And what really I respect about you guys is that you seem to not view the world as black and white. And I want to even ask you in terms of, do you all feel like outliers within within your own communities? Of like, we don't really think the way that a majority, I would say, of the people with our skin tone think and feel. We look at the world differently. And I'm, I'm really curious where that comes from. I mean, I'm a Nigerian American. That's kind of what I identify as. So for me, I've always felt like an outlier because growing up before people were... Uh, I would say before people became so pro-black, so to speak, yeah. I think, um, you know, I had a, I had a pretty rough childhood until I kind of, uh, I kind of had a, you know, a, a period of time where I kind of conformed to, and I kind of just started blending in. And that's kind of when I started realizing like, you know, Hey, like, I don't really like this shit I'm doing. And mm. then like, I was about 10th grade when I started, you know, I'm watching certain movies, I'm watching anime and like, I try to have those conversations with my homeboys that I was in the neighborhood with, and I just Damn. pretty much realized I was different, but I was happy, though. I felt good, and I was like, fuck it. As long as I feel good and I'm not stressed out, that's that's where I'm going to go. And then, you know, eventually, you know, even with hip-hop, like, you know, being in the South, 
Like, I mean, out of all my friends, I was the only one that was that actually enjoyed Jay Z. Uh, mm. I was the only one that enjoyed Eminem and you know just underground artists. It was only a few of us that would listen, that would um, that would watch um. Damn, what was the fight? The Fight Club videos. You know, it was it was just a few of us, and we looked like the weirdos because everybody else out here was they was bumping screw, they was listening to Swish House, Slim Thug, and shit like that. And mm. like that shit was boring to me. So I got comfortable with kind of being an outlier, being an outcast. And speaking of outcast, I was like one of the only one of my friends that enjoyed Andre 3000. Like seriously, <laughs> like it was wild. And I'm like, but this is cool though, because once again, it made me comfortable being me. And I, I always appreciated, you know, being the type of guy that kind of, I used to think I went against the grain, but I realized no, I'm not going against the grain. I'm just being who I am. Yeah. And that carried on into my adult life, you know, you know, being a young father and just, Doing whatever it took to main to maintain a certain level of mental health that was uh that was healthy, and I think the only time that I actually struggled in my life was when I had those moments where I felt like I wasn't being true to myself. So that that extends all the way to my ideologies now, my political beliefs, and just how I carry myself day to day. Did that know? isolate people in your life when you were going through those moments of like really trying to like form your identity and decide the type of person and the father you were gonna be? Did people look at you like, yo, that's not what that's not what we do, or that's not? Uh, oh yeah, big time, big yeah. time. Gr- girlfriends, homeboys, they 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 always basically tried to get me to conform, yeah. and I was just like, hey, if you want to call me a weirdo, you want to look at me as a weirdo, that's cool. I will come into your circle and be the weirdo, but don't make me uncomfortable about it. Yeah, that shit, interesting, I do interesting, not interesting. Yeah. See, for me, it was a little bit different because, like, from let, let's just do it based on school years. Like, from kindergarten through the sixth grade, I grew up in a in a predominantly black impoverished neighborhood, and so like it was a lot of hey, you see kids playing in the street, like how how they would depict us in movies, you know, kids playing in the street with random stuff you know, staying out late and like that. Well, in the seventh grade, I moved to a predominantly white area, predominantly white school, and then I went to a predominantly white university. And I, I remember this specifically in high school, my, my high school basketball coach, he goes, he goes, Jay, you're not like other black people. And I'm like, why aren't I like other black people? He's like, well, you're well-mannered, He's, you make good grades, and mm-hmm. you know, you just quote, unquote, do the right thing. Those microaggressions. And, yeah, and I'm, and I'm like, <laughs> That makes me less black because I I, I make good grades. So that, that always stuck with me in, in a weird place. And then I went to college on a scholarship, so that didn't help much either. And now I, I work in corporate America. So, like, I do uh, – and I, I, I go to places where I'm the only black face in the, in the room. Yeah. And, and like, there's been there's situations like, you know, you'll see the other black person. You kind of give them the nod of solidarity. <laughs> or it's not even actually the other black person. You see another minority. And you're yeah. just kind of like, all right, you know – I don't have to look out for you, but we're going to look out for each other for some odd reason. I don't know mm. you, but we're, you know, we, we recognize that we're in a place that we quote unquote shouldn't be. Mm. And so like that has followed me a long way. And people kind of look at, look at me differently and say, well, you're not like the rest of them. When in fact I am them, I'm just another representation. Is that so empowering that, for you in a way though? It, it really is. It really is. Cause like the, do you, the, the, Feeling like an outlier in that situation, there has to be some empowering element to that, right? Of like, damn, I'm in, I'm in a, I'm in a, I'm in a position, or I'm in a, a circumstance where people usually don't expect this of me, and 
or or or, right. or of what they perceive my my culture of of people to be or do. Can that it, be empowering, it, it, or does that like do you feel bad, or are you empowered by it? It definitely is empowering to me. Okay. Because I I feel like I'm almost setting an example. Yeah. Because like, hey, this is Jay who puts on business casual and go to work and, and who, you know, he's put on business suits and been in downtown Manhattan before he's done that. But also this is Jay who's going to show up at the kickback and he's going to play dominoes and he's going to play mm. spades and he's going to drink too much. Like, you know, <laughs> he's a regular person. Yeah. So you can, you can, you can exist in, in two different planes. Sure. And to me, it, it just, I, I just, I really want to show like my nieces and my nephews, my youngest sisters that, Hey, you can you can do this and still be you. Like you don't have to forget who you are to be successful in this place. I think I think when people people first of all it's balance. But the thing that people hate the most, especially I feel in in, in any minority community, they feel like the people that actually shape the behaviors and what's acceptable in America are white people and they can't get over that. And it's mm -hmm. like they beat themselves up over it because they felt like, man, the only reason I'm putting on this damn suit and tie is because the man wanted me to. And it was like, at the end of the day, what could you have really done about it? Like, you're the minority here. Like, basically, for example, you know, there's a lot of, I know for for instance, I know a lot of black women that hate the fact that they, they didn't stay natural. And the reason that they didn't stay natural is so they could fit in in the workplace. So what they did was they caused the uproar. But at the end of the day, I, ne I never really understood why, because you got to think about the 60s and the 70s, you know, you know, black power sisters was walking around with afros and stuff. Mm -hmm. I never truly understood why they felt they needed to conform when they were still getting jobs. They were still successful in the 60s and 70s. And it just baffled me that you're blaming them, but it, I, I, the, the lack of accountability there kind of bothers me. Now, can they argue that maybe, you know, when I got the straight hair, I got the perm and made it easier? I, I, I don't know. I just don't see the, the the statistical backup on that. I just kind of felt like they got they didn't want to fight, so they conformed, and here we are. I think subconsciously they think it made it easier, but overall... I don't think I don't it did. did. I don't mm -hmm. think he really did. Like, I, I even had a close friend ask me um, yesterday, like, you know, I went to the barbershop. I had basically the perfect afro yesterday. She's like, can you wear your afro to work? I was like, this is how my hair grows. <laughs> yeah. like, like, I didn't do anything to alter it. This is it naturally. Like, if I can't wear my hair to work naturally, then why did you even hire me? Like, that's like saying, hey, do you have to wear gloves when you go to work in long sleeves so they don't see your skin color? It's like, this is who I am naturally. I mean, I'm going to say it like this. When I think about, you know, people that come over here that, you know, are Muslim, like they never once came over here and, and like they said, I'm going to take off the hijab or I'm going to dress differently. Like yeah. a lot of them came over here full force who the fuck they were and they remained that. I, I don't see I don't see what the problem. I mean, when, even Asians. When you see how dedicated they are to their faith. It is something that makes you appreciate. And that that's one that's something that I uh, that I realize about their culture identity in America is that they have found a way to to live in America but still stay dedicated to their unique religion and how that cuz very much how they perceive the world is dictated by their religion so it's not necessarily if if they have an experience that 
is counterintuitive or contrary to what the religion is saying, they are most likely going to gravitate towards what the religion wants them to believe about that. And even if they have that conflict, the religion will still take priority. So I, I appreciate that dedication to say that this is just how we believe and view the world, and that's it. Um, with Indian Americans, it's not it's not that like it gets the the message gets lost of the way we view the world. Like our understanding of even karma is westernized. Karma is not you reap what you sow. You put out positive, positive is going to come back to you. Mm-hmm. That's a Bible verse. Karma is just pure action. Mm-hmm. We're like. If you look at it that way, you know how they always say, like, how do drug dealers make more money than teachers? Mm-hmm. And you it's have it's, it's just the action. You could sell <laughs> drugs and be a millionaire, and you can educate people and do whatever, any noble quality, and be absolutely miserable in terms of financial status. It is just action. How it manifests is not in your control at all. Not, like, not at all. Right, you can go rob a bank and not get caught, and rob another bank and not get caught, and that's it. Mm-hmm. It's, just, it's just pure action, and it's not you reap what you sow, and and that always baffles me when when Indian Americans say that, and it's like we have, at least in our culture, come up with one of the wildest concepts in human history, and it's just pure action, and why are you gravitating towards a Western definition of that? And what's really really trips me up is. This thing of like now we need representation and characters. And it's like if you really want to empower yourself, then why don't you learn about your culture with this rich history? Why do you need a television show that is going to probably trend for a month, build build this huge fan base, uh, po- possibly break box office records, whatever? Why Why do you need to be represented in that way? When you have this rich ass culture of so many thought provoking ideas. And like when I think about just this conversation right now, we're all just trying to figure shit out. So I'm actually, (laughs) uh, and I'm actually scared of people who present themselves to have solutions. I'm terrified of those individuals. Cause if you look at all the brilliant thinkers throughout history, they're all just trying to fucking figure shit out. That's it. And because they didn't have the technology for their for their ideas to spread all around the world, it was just like, all right, well, this is the idea of this part of the world. This is the idea of this part of the world. The people from this part of the world think this way. The people from this part of the world think this way. So I think what social media has definitely done is now it's just bringing all these ideas together. And it's showing us that um, people really don't do well when they're presented with, with things that go against uh, – what they even if internally something says that they it makes sense to them they're gonna they're gonna rebel against it. To me, I like to call it, call it the house theory. Y- y'all remember house where he was just like, oh, I think this was wrong with this person. It's not okay. Try this. Okay, try this. Okay, try this. And he just tried a lot of things until it worked. Yeah, pretty much. And mm-hmm. so, uh, and like you say, you know, the people that have the answers are the ones you should fear because they, <laughs> they they just hey yeah this is what's gonna work. There's there's been no trial and error to it. Like you said, you just have to figure stuff out. Like, okay, I'm going to go this route, and I'm going to see if it works. I don't know going into it if it's going to work or not, but i got to try to know. That's wild, man. I think about I, I, I kind of get mad at what Western civilization does, but then I think about how young it is compared mm. to you know Eastern philosophy. Like, all that shit is old as hell. When you yeah. think about 
America, America's young, bro. Yeah. And like, it's crazy how something that young could be so influential. And it's really just because of money. But I was sitting here and I was I was reading about how somebody was pissed off about how Western civil Western civilization has bastardized yoga. Like <laughs> they have made a mockery of yoga. Like yeah. when I look at you, like when I look at what yoga is now compared to what it was maybe a hundred years ago before it actually was introduced to America, like dog, like what the fuck are we doing? Like, I forgot who it was. We're turning the temperature up to 115. <laughs> <laughs> that book I think I'm going to give yoga will kill you. For real. <laughs> I, I just, it's just wild. And, oh, man, I was sitting here thinking about... The, I, you, you were referencing this on um, an episode you guys did where you were talking about white supremacy. And mm-hmm. that is where they're brilliant. As <laughs> fucked up as that sounds to say. Like yep, yep. they figured out how to take stuff that's not theirs and sell it as if there it is and present it to you as if it is. And why don't we have that train of thought? Like why don't <sighs> it's because it in some ways they take more pride in other cultures than the people in those cultures take pride in themselves. And that's it's the fact. It really is because think about this. I'm going to be honest with you. It was it was years before uh, twerking actually became a thing. Like, you know, twerking has always been a thing, but as far as twerking being something that you saw every day, hmm. I just, and then when I start, when I start seeing twerking more, I start seeing, I start hearing people talk about, hey, you know, twerking, that's a, you know, that's a, that's an African thing. That's from, you know, that's from the motherland. That's something, you know, that's something they've been doing. But how come we've only been seeing it maybe for the last eight years? Now, if you're on Twitter, you see a, uh, you see a video of this room full of white girls twerking, or you see Miley Cyrus. Yeah, you see, (laughs) you see Miley Cyrus twerking years ago, and it's like when I think about it, I'm like, hold on now, I really didn't start seeing twerking become like a mainstream norm for black people up until about eight, nine years ago. And now, you know, three or four years ago, white people are getting into it and everybody's getting mad. But I'm like, man, I kind of feel like as Americans, nobody really appreciated twerking up and up until about maybe 2008, 2007. I mean, everybody shook their ass, but I'm talking about legitimate twerking and considered a, a, a dance form. Exactly. Like that shit just mm. got embraced within the past 10 years. And one thing, when things become mainstream, I'm going to repeat this. When things become mainstream, the shit low key is for everybody. Like hip hop yeah. is for everybody now. When it was born, it was like, okay, this is for the, you know, this is for the ghetto. This is for the hood. This is for us. But as it, as it crept up into the pop charts, it, it's mainstream. It's for everybody. Like it's a buffet. And, and, and the thing that people hate the most is mm. the fact that when it comes down to an Eminem or a Post Malone or an Elvis Presley getting a hold of it, they hate it. But it's like, hold on now. Y'all were embarrassed about it not too long ago. Because yeah. even, you got to think about it. When you think about, the, uh, the, uh, I'm just saying, when you think about the late 70s and early 80s, when 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 Curtis Blow was out there and them was out there, you know, rapping this shit, what you think the older people were saying? Don't do that. Don't do that Don't shit. Do that. Don't do that. We do jazz. We do, we do, we do blues. blues. But yeah, now, when Elvis Presley, now I can, I can rewind back now, when Elvis Presley decided that he wanted to do rock and roll, white people were saying that was the devil's music too. You know what I'm saying? But once he started putting a little more flavor into it now, the Chuck Berries and the and the James Brown, they were looked down upon by their own people. They were ashamed of it. Mm-hmm. But the minute Elvis Presley got hot with it, he's stealing our shit. 
But bro, do you think, y'all didn't even appreciate it. <laughs> do you think there's a moral obligation that Elvis would have to to shout out what he's uh, quote unquote appropriating or the source of his appropriation? Or do you think in, in that situation um, there is there is no moral obligation? Well, first off, uh, shout out to Bill Burr. <laughs> but uh, you still have oh yeah, it's, it's it's solid. I like his delivery. But when you say moral obligation, hmm. um, when I really when I really uh dug deep and like well my digging deep was watching a documentary. But uh, when I dug deep and like I checked out and I figured out who Elvis Presley was, I, I mean he was an opportunist man. He was poor as shit. Yeah. And I think with him being so poor, he could relate. And he was able to go into those black spaces because they all felt like they were on the same level. So mm. I think, can I say Elvis Presley was racist? I think it's really hard for me to say that because of, because of the fact of where he came from. Like he looked at, for, for instance, uh, I know y'all know who John Dillinger is and like all those gangsters and shit. Like a lot of those low end, low class gangsters, a lot of them, they fuck with everybody else. They looked at upper class white people as the problem but mm. when it came down to their social circles man you'd see a john dillinger you see you know uh all kind of gangsters just in those spaces with other blacks with mexicans whatever because they all felt the same they were at the bottom that's the one thing they had in common so when i look at elvis Preston, i think moral obligation no i think at the end of the day he loved something and then with his opportunity which was he actually start kind of getting good at the black art and he just happened to be white and the person that scooped down and got him was like hey you know you're this white guy i want you to put a little more ump into it because it's gonna be easier to sell you because you're white doing something black versus selling chuck berry i mean so, it, that, that's just the reality of it. it's opportunity so, <clears throat> elvis was the eminem precursor in many ways oh in many ways and i'd I even take it back i mean like, look at vanilla ice i mean mm. what vanilla ice did was ridiculous what well, one song and it was literally just because Vanilla Ice looked like somebody that would be at, at the front of the at the front of the table in a corporate meeting, and he just he just happened to he happened to move like MC Hammer, <laughs> and it was easy to sell. <laughs> it's just when you think about white supremacy, like you said, you got to think about the fact that they know what um they know what their kids are doing, and their yeah. kids are rebellious. They know that, and one of the main reasons. Why, to believe it or not, one of the main reasons why um, blues took off was because a lot of white little college kids in the 40s and 50s started grabbing blues records and they made blues hot. And that's Damn. because they were rebelling against their parents. Their parents, they care about their shit. But it was like these look, most kids go to college. They kind of have a progressive mindset. They kind of, you know, want to gravitate towards something new. And we just, as of late, People from other cultures have always brought something newer to America. It's just simple as that. Mm. It's funny that you say that because when when you think of rebellion, rebellion always comes as going towards a, a, a minority culture. Pretty much, because like, it's rare. Like, like this is going to be a poor example, but it's it's the only example that comes to mind. When when white girls rebel against their parents, they date a minority. Pretty much. Mm. And I'm not saying that's always the subconsciously case, that but, whether they want to believe it or not. But but a lot of the times, like oh, I'm a rebel, I'm gonna date this black guy, I'm gonna date this Hispanic guy, and that that's what we see in in our area. It's like mm-hmm. you know you know that's not that may not be you know what your parents had in, in mind for you, but you know as a rebellion, and then you get the whole Romeo Juliet like oh they don't want us to be together, so therefore it pushes us together even more kind of thing. Going Pretty on. much. 
But I, I, I also look at it like this. Uh, when I think about people, like I think about how um, me personally, I find this funny. I don't know if y'all noticed it, but I mean, when did the talk about energy become like popular? Like people talk about energy and vibes. Like I would say the past two, 2014, 2013 is when I really started seeing people talk about energy and vibes. Yeah. And, and how often are y'all, how old were you when you first started hearing about chakras and people start talking about like really getting into horoscopes? that has been like zodiacs come on man zodiacs are old as shit but you know why people are embracing that shit even more because it was like only subcultures were fucking with that shit now people are looking at this shit as oh man this is the hot thing nigga this shit been around 100 years what are you talking about a zodiac chakras like this stuff is old people were doing this in the 70s and the 60s like honestly that was the counterculture now it's starting to become a part of the culture. And and that's the hustle of the chakras thing that you're talking about is also an Eastern co- concept, right? Oh, I know. I know. So, so, so now you have Indian Americans who want to be American so bad, and then they get fed their own culture that is coming from, quote unquote, the white man. <laughs> and now it's cool to you. So it's only cool to you when it's coming from the white person or when... Okay. The, the 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 majority of America now is talking about something that's when you care about it because you didn't want to look like the weirdo doing yoga out in the balcony or, or your front yard every Sunday morning or every morning. You don't want to do that now. But now you could pay $60 a month to go to a yoga class with all your friends and take selfies and stuff from there. When your grandmother could have taught you. <laughs> like, really? Like, this it's, is this is generational. You're, you're and the white man about your own culture. And the most empowering thing is just taking pride in your own shit. And that is what, when I when I think about hip-hop, that's what I admire the most, to be honest, is taking this unique art form. And I, I'm starting to understand when when like when the whole Iggy Azalea thing was happening, they just made her the, the, the villain of cultural appropriation. Mm-hmm. I'm understanding now and having more empathy for where that pride comes from in that. Because there is something empowering about, no, this is our shit. And when I think about Indian Americans, we don't have anything like that, right? And to go deeper down the rabbit hole, I started thinking that, like, arts is not really encouraged in our culture. Really? The, the idea of arts. Uh, I don't know when the transition happened, and I should probably do research on maybe if, like, the, the British colonization of India marked a, a huge change. But, yeah, like... So many Indian people have that struggle of saying, like, yeah, I want to be a graphic designer. Wow. Like that's a, growing up, I, I shit you not, when I went to, to, to college, I didn't even know that communications was a major. Yeah. I didn't even know that you could be a freaking graphic designer or you could really uh, major in communications and start doing internships at studios and, and shit like that. I had no idea that was a possibility for me. And now my entire life is around this, uh, the, the concept of communications. And I don't have a single, single class worth of experience in that. I was too busy caught up in pre-med because part of my upbringing was that education is so important. So when you say education is important, there's various types of education. There's, there's, <laughs> the, the, there's the quote unquote street smart and then there's the book smart. So mm-hmm. if I'm learning about... Um, organic chemistry and shit like that because I feel like that is what happens with majority of the Indian Americans 
is that we just get boxed into these these cultural perceptions of this is this is all we can do with our life. You're either going to be a doctor, lawyer, or engineer. And of course, there's some generalizing going on here, but the majority, it's like, I, I it, what hurts is you don't even know that there's so many possibilities out there for you for what you can do in your life. And um, yeah, like uh, shortly after starting the Nice Cast, I would like apply to to to, to like certain studios and, and and shit like that, and they'd ask me for my education experience, and I'm sitting there talking about, well, I was on the pre med track, then I went to med school for two semesters, and I got done with med school, then I went to business school, then I went to law school. It's like, well, yeah, but you, so you don't have any experience in, in uh, communications, and I'm like, no, but I mean, I can show you how I'm reaching like two million people on Instagram in a matter of seven days. Is that not good enough for you? And that is the disconnect is you don't even Huge know that this shit. you don't even know this shit and yeah. um like when you asked about upbringing that was like that's one the one thing i want to touch upon is education was such a huge part of the upbringing like when i i remember in college i went and applied to work at taco bell and freaked my parents out like crazy they're like no don't work like we just want you to focus on school if you work for the, the these 10 10 hour jobs or whatever you're going to distract you for yourself from school then you won't get into med school then this will happen it's all going to fall apart don't worry about money we'll, we'll we'll give you money just just study 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 and i have like there's something about building character with those jobs and I, st- I think to myself now where I'm like, yo, what if like I, I did go to work at Taco Bell and I, I thought maybe, hey, it'd be cool if uh, you could just deliver this to, to someone's home. <laughs> if you could just yeah. deliver Taco Bell to someone's home and maybe I could have been the first that came up with that idea at that time. You don't know how you're going to get inspired. So shutting people off from experiences because you're boxing them in around the idea of, well, this is what our culture does is cr- like wild. Wild, wild, wild to me. If, if if my son or daughter comes to me and says, "Yo, I, I want to work at Taco Bell," I'm be like, All right, "Go, go work, get that experience." Because one, you realize the value of shit doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, and who knows if that inspires your creativity in some wild way? Maybe you'll really love Taco Bell, and then they'll be like, "All right, well, I want to go to business school now, and I want to be- become the CEO of Taco Bell." Who knows if that right. is the, the, the spark that you need? And right. I remember one, one day, because we had, um, I saw you guys also talk about this in terms of like Patel's tapped into like the gas station thing. Mm-hmm. And um, like, I, I think the context you were saying is that that's not our arena. We should make that our arena instead of just doing the, the, ch- the chicken places. Right. That was the context you were saying. It was like, why can't we go open up convenience stores on that one episode? Like, why does that only have to be a Patel thing? Right. Um, so. One day I was telling my dad, like, because we had this gas station, I went to him and I was like, hey, I, I have an idea for, for a website uh, that I want to start. Um, this was while I was in college and he like freaked the hell out. He's like, what are you talking about website? Like, you're going to get caught up in some illegal shit. Like, stop. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like my dad is crazy paranoid uh, paranoid when it comes to that. So he's like, you're going to get caught up in crazy. No, dude, just go back to school. Work, work, work. And you know, the website idea I had was called You Judge. And it was basically a Reddit before Reddit. Damn. And it was like this website where anyone could go talk about any fucking thing they want and just post about it and just start fucking conversations and just talk and talk and talk and talk. And then I had this other idea for this social network that was just sort of akin to like hieroglyphics where it was just fucking pictures where everyone just had to communicate in pictures. No text, no nothing. It was just you're just, <laughs> <laughs> you're just communicating in pictures. And I'm thinking now where like if I have kids and my, my kids come to me with ideas like that, how do I empower that train of thought? 
and i'm not gonna say like obviously it's my parents i love them they've done they've sacrificed so much for me like even the idea of them packing everything up and coming to this country without any assurances you know as more years go along you start having some wild appreciation for even that shit (laughs) but that empowerment of well that or even just you have a child you should recognize what your child is into right like stop trying to make your child what you think your child should be and empower what their natural talent or their natural way of thinking is so if i you know what's crazy you know what's crazy about that like like i I know my son likes basketball Mm. but like when i like when i talk to him and i watch the stuff that he does i know that's not as strong with serena and i always just bring him back be like hey you sure you want to do this are you sure you want to do this? Because in my mind, I know what he'd be better at. But I never I never tell him. I just constantly ask because I think one day it's going to come to him and be like, you know what? I know why you was asking me that because I'm better at this. And I'm like, hey, I want it to come to you naturally rather than me forcing you in that direction. Because me personally, I, I could care less about basketball or him playing it to the point where like it breaks him mentally. But I know that he enjoys it because he gets to be with his friends and all that. Mm. But I don't think – that that's his niche. I, I think there's something else. But like I said, I never even want to say it because I know it's going to come to him one day. It has to. Because like I think about where I was when I was 14, 15. I never had a clue that I'd be fucking talking through a microphone. Like, nah, man. you know, who, you know, who would have thought? Like, it's crazy the type of have, shit I got to. After have I you guys had cool. conversations of trying to at least make something out of no boundaries in a more full time manner? Like have you? I'm sure you guys have had those conversations between yourselves, or no? Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, we in passing though, in passing, it's never been like, hey, Bro. let's really market this harder than we have, and you this know, is really an important podcast. To be honest with you guys, I'm not just gonna like <laughs> dick ride, but uh, I'm serious because I love Joe Budden, but when I listen to the Joe Budden podcast and they get a million plus plays a week, I feel like they don't talk about anything of substance. Like they'll scratch the surface. And then it'll get go on to something that is, even if it's comedic and presenting humor, it's like, well, all right, this is gonna this is gonna age in a week. Yeah. Right? Yep. This is gonna this has a very short shelf life. But what you guys I feel like are really tapping into is stuff that is not going to age. And it's gonna become even more relevant as the years go along. And not everyone has that, but you got you two have that natural chemistry between between each other. So yeah, man. I, I stand no boundaries. <laughs> I, think, I think we just have to wait for the algorithm to catch us. Yeah. Once the algorithm catches us, I think we'll be fine. Because uh, I had this conversation with my son the other day because he was uh he was scrolling on Instagram and like one of his friends had like fifteen thousand followers. And yeah. I'm like, damn, this fifteen year old has fifteen K? And he was just like, Yeah, man, he you know, he goes to my school, he's cool, he's normal, like he doesn't get any money. And uh I remember listening to one of your uh episodes with Tom and you were like, It's a hard reality for influencers to realize that these followers do not mo- mean monetization. Like no. you're not you got a hundred thousand followers, that doesn't mean you have a hundred thousand dollars. But you know what's wild is that Kid, like we can have conversations at some point because we're a little older on all right where does the the monetization element at some point kick in with this right or how if we were to to build this how are we really really we how are we really going to monetize but kids growing up they like the attention they don't See, care they don't care fifteen thousand dollars is currency for them and that is pretty wild when you think about it where <laughs> How is how how do we make attention a currency Ooh. and a commodity in that regard? 
Because now you're just going to have a bunch of people doing shit for attention like this Joker movie that's coming out. You know how many oh. think pieces have been written about this goddamn movie before it's even out? About it's it's, oh, it's, it's, it's insane. About white supremacy and like white power and white privilege. And it's like, yo, it's a freaking Joker film. But you need to gather attention. And what are buzzwords? White supremacy, mental illness, yeah. which obviously is a serious topic, but just enjoy the film. It's a well, because topic that I think is being exploited in my yes. oh, yes. especially mental health and mental illness. Like that shit. When I see mental illness, I just always come back to the reality. I'd be sitting there like, "What the fuck was y'all thinking about y'all mental health before? Are y'all were y'all just like not giving a damn about it? Just like when I see people in the gym, like I I, I don't I I Jay knows like I'll go to the gym, but I never really want to be looked at as a gym rat. Mm. Once being a gym rat became like, because I look at I look at most um. Fitness people as people that are just in the soft porn, especially mm-hmm. the women. I, it's, I mean, the fitness industry is a joke now because if you ever get a chance and you watch Pump and Iron or you watch West Side versus the World on Netflix, you'll realize like these dudes that actually went into the gym with nothing and gave it all they got mm-hmm. seven days a week that actually traded. Man, they, they really, the blood, sweat, and tears, they could really say that back then. A lot of guys can't say that now because nowadays it's just surgery, needles, and uh, and, and a bunch of other bullshit. It ain't no blood, sweat, and tears. It's just filters. And oh man, it's so annoying when I see what it was in the '70s compared to 2019. It's an embarrassment. And even when I see Schwarzenegger out there doing his events and with the uh, with the uh, with the with the Arnold Classic or whatever, I look at that shit and I'm like. I know in the back of uh, Arnold's mind, he's like, what the fuck is this shit? This shit is embarrassing. <laughs> Even the dude that did West Side versus the World, he's like, man, I just walk around my gym and I'm like, I've never seen so. I hate cameras. I, I These phones. He was like, some of his best competitors sit out there with the tripod and they're like, what is this? Like, why can't you just come in here and just and just get a workout in and get the fuck out? He was like, back in my day, man, the only thing that only thing we had at that time was my dick in my hands. Like, <laughs> and I was like, I respect that because I know what he's saying. He's like, I'm going in here and this is my distraction. Why am I bringing a distraction in here with me? Like, but that's the culture now because the attention that you need with going into the gym, it's insane. And like, of course, I caught, I, you know, I got caught up into that. But then I realized, I'm like, man, this is. This is taken away from the intensity that I put into my workout. What's yeah. the purpose of this? Even I even have moments where I'm like, okay, I, I got to leave the phone in the locker because the phone is nothing but a distraction. You cannot go into something that should be your distraction with another distraction. And really, True. unless you're just – um. How do I say? Unless you're just in uh, what you know me. Obviously, I hate influencers, but unless you're an influencer, you really don't have a reason to have a phone on you 24/7 like that. It doesn't make any sense because I feel like it really has to benefit you in a way that, I mean, if it's your primary income, I get it. But other than that, I just don't get it. You shouldn't have. You don't need your phone in your hand all day. It's just, ah, man. It's just. It irks me, bro. Because when I think about 2009, I think about 2019. Shit has transition into things that are obviously unhealthy for your mental and people don't even recognize it i'm like dude you're fucking you don't like your body because you're comparing your body to people that you that are using filters and photoshop and all kind of other shit and it's baffling or it's befuddling when you (laughs) think about (laughs) when you think about 
how a lot of us were already in the code and shit on MySpace when we were on MySpace oh, yeah, and we were uh doing like the uh the HTML formats and like changing up our backgrounds like bro we were actually self-taught fucking computer software geeks and we didn't even know it yeah. <laughs> we just was just wasted and think about that and, I, and I'm I'm saying that to say it's chicks out there that are graphic designers that don't even know it. Like they have Photoshop skills out of this world. It is going to waste just to get attention. Wow. Oh my God. I want to share with you guys my theory uh, of what I call the iPhone mindset. Okay. Um, And I think the iPhone and this kind of ties into what you were saying. I think the iPhone changed human history in this way. Back before then, right, we had like a very singular idea of what devices would do for us, right? So you had your phone that you were sure is going to send make phone calls. And then you had your <laughs> desktop, which was going to be your internet access. Then you had other things in your house that had a very specific purpose. But then here comes this phone that does virtually everything so where from a professional standpoint you could get away just doing one thing in the past i don't feel like we anyone has that luxury now so when you say that these influencers are actually probably graphic designers and marketers like you just can't be one thing anymore because (laughs) now we like a sports writer just can't write about sports. Now they got to know Twitter. Now they got to under have a basic understanding of SEO. They got to understand resolution for pictures and video. So there's a marketing element to it now on how do I market myself. Now they got to learn how to talk on camera because some shit could break and they may be called uh, or they may have their own YouTube channel or they may make a Instagram video. So now you have to have that skill. Now, <laughs> So now before I'm just writing and I'm submitting it, it's getting printed or it's getting put online, great. And now I gotta learn how to talk on camera, I gotta understand social media, I gotta understand trends, I gotta understand design and all these other things. And I feel like what the iPhone did was stop us from specializing in one thing. Now you have to specialize in multiple areas. What do you guys think about that? Oh yeah, I, I I mean when I even when I think about that, I think about, you know, I haven't been on Twitter long, but um when I got on Twitter, I started hearing the word think piece a lot. And mm. I'm sitting here reading these think pieces and I'm like, bro, these people are journalists. And, and they don't even, they don't, I mean, they don't even know it. Like, yeah. they're really writing thoughtful and insightful. It's bullshit. You know, I mean, <laughs> don't get me wrong. It, it, I put it like this mm. when I'm reading about release the Snyder Cut and mm. I see some of the in depth conversations that regular everyday people are having, yeah. and I'm like, whoa, like, this is really thought provoking. I never would have thought about this. I'd rather read this than read anything from the Washington Journal or the New York Post or any of that shit. And these people are sitting here That's on their thing. iPhones, just, just, just with one thumb. Yeah. It's just one thumb, and they just making it work. And, and it's a whole lot deeper than oh, release it because I think it'll be better. That's like it, it's it's deeper than that. Like you put some thought and time and research into this, and people just. People just don't value enough in what they do. Like my homegirl, she was working on her resume to, to, to get a different job. And I'm looking at it and it's like, you know how people say, oh, instead of saying you're a janitor, you're a custodial engineer. And it's, it's not even fluff words like that. It's like taking some pride and some thought into what you do. Yeah, real talk. Real talk. 
And when you do that, though, but there's also an entire, I feel like, generation of people, when you take pride in stuff, they call you arrogant for it. At least when when I try to take pride in what, what I do, people just flat out call me arrogant. And they say, yo, humble yourself. You're just an Instagrammer. And I'm like, well, that's a very minor thing to what I feel like I do. Is Don't don't just box me in as being an Instagrammer. You don't realize how much shit goes into this. Yeah. And, and even with saying, oh, you're, you're, you're just an Instagrammer, but you're here. You're following you're, me. You're giving me <laughs> attention. You're, yeah. you're taking time out of your day to go yeah. at yeah. So I have influenced you in some kind of way to talk about me. Like people say, oh, the president shouldn't be tweeting this much. He shouldn't be doing that. A, he's the president. And B, you're taking time out to go at him. So apparently he struck a nerve. If he didn't matter, you just keep throwing. Man, so, how do you... Wait, I, wait, go ahead. Hold on, hold on, you said you had a confession. I, I, I have a confession. Yeah. I did order the new iPhone. Oh, jeez. No way. 11 or 11 Pro? The <laughs> uh, Pro. What color? I, I got the green. Yeah, yeah, everybody was liking that green. Yeah, yeah the green is nice. I, like I, I, was, I was like, it's like here I am talking all this shit, and it's like, eh. <laughs> why not? Why but not? What iPhone are you upgrading from? Uh, from the X. Okay, so yeah, that what is two years? Yeah, I'm two years. That's what, yes, that's a good way. That's a good run with the phone. Two years, I think. Yeah, that, that, that's a, that's a standard upgrade. So I was like, well, eh. man, back I felt bad when I did it though. I'm not gonna lie. Getting iPhones back in the day was an experience. Like you felt that was a social icon of sorts when you went and got the new iPhone on day one. And now it's just like everyone's got one. I kid you not. I bought the first iPhone. Yeah. And I took it back because like I, I can't justify spending this much money on yeah. a phone as a college student. Yeah. Like I, I took I had like a week and a half and I took it back. I was like, I, I can't justify this. Damn. Bro, yeah. I mean, I, I, I mean that, that that's fine. I mean, I, I, like I said, I don't I don't judge what people do with their money. That's one yeah. thing about me. Like I know people do some wild shit with their money. I mean, we we pay money to play fantasy football. Like we're fucking idiots. But <laughs> it is what it is. But I mean, outside of that, I, I do have a question for you, bro. How do you deal with the trolls? You get a lot. Of that money. shit is scary to me. And you and and I have to say this: you haven't killed yourself. <laughs> I'm just saying. That's a great question, my guy. I honestly, it's two ways to look at it. One, it does get overwhelming at times, even for me, right? And and I and I would say that my life experiences are such where I've, I would say more than the average individual, I would say I have thicker skin. But even for me, it can get really, really overwhelming because what bothers me now is not necessarily the trolls, it's the the concept of a troll, in the sense where you clearly care enough about what i'm posting or saying or my opinions but you don't want to empower me enough for me to be able to take shit to the next level so when i can go and put out a youtube video and have x amount of followers on instagram and i can say hey uh go support this youtube video you won't do that but then you'll go make an an account that is a, a troll account and just sit there and troll every post i make but you're not empowering me in that regard. So I feel like we have this this culture of people who are fans but don't even want to admit they're fans. And back in the day, if you were a fan of somebody, you would like ride hard for that person. Yeah. No matter yeah. what. You would make sure to to empower them in any way. So that's what honestly bothers me about about trolls. And ultimately I think it's it's a, it's a compliment and I haven't figured out 
the monetization element of that. And I'm not sure if there even ex- there's one that even exists where I can maybe reach out to a brand and say, hey, well, yeah, I don't, I don't have a, a million followers, but guess what? I have people making troll accounts about me. And because we're caught up in the, the metric view of what dictates success, that's not going to hold. People think a million followers means a million eyes, and people are just going to be able to – this whole idea of influencer marketing is fucking wild because you're paying an influencer to promote something, but where is that conversion happening? And that's the, the conversion side of social media. I know you asked me about trolls, but we're getting into something completely different. But the conversion side really bothers me about social media. Really does. Because what it does is it just gives you the the mirage that people really support you or people really care about what you have to say. But you're not that that's not converting any into anything of substance. And if you are trying to take your shit to, to another level and, and make a profession or a career out of it, like attention is only part of the grind. I think right? it's a uni- it's a universal law to me when it comes to business that you have foot footwork is never gonna die. I feel mm-hmm. like people fail to realize that the digital marketing digital marketing is only one aspect of it. You still need word of mouth. You still need foot soldiers. You yeah. probably still need billboards. Like it's no way in the world that this guy with a million followers is going to compete with Apple, even if mm. he ha- even if he has created his own cool ass phone. It's not gonna happen. Because yeah. Apple has the foot soldiers. They have the they got the Super Bowl commercials. It's so much money that goes into actually, you know, being a brand. Because that's mm. essentially what everybody wants to become. And that's scared to me. That's why that's you drive up the street and you see people with their uh, Instagram uh, handles, uh, decals on their car. Because <laughs> yeah. everybody wants to be a brand. Everybody wants to be like, hey, follow me. Okay, you follow them, you get there, and it's like, okay, next, what? What am I here for? Exactly. What's going on? <laughs> like, See, if you do that with these billion-dollar companies – you know, an Apple, a Samsung, or whatever, shit, a Walmart, you get to Walmart and you're like, okay, cool. This has so much shit in here. I can get underwear and I can get bananas. Like, perfect. Like, you actually have something to offer. And I think a lot of people fail to realize that the ultimate success from a brand comes from what they actually have to offer. And then yep. eventually brands get lazy and you you realize that you, you know, you're getting the same thing over and over. But, I mean, hey, at least you got three cameras now, Jay. But man, I mean, I, I I've always appreciated um Apple for for that for that concept of actually making people Renaissance men or a Renaissance person. Mm. Um and I think that's pretty cool because it, it, it makes people tap into parts of their brain that they never knew existed. Very that's much. why I had that um that poll uh, a, a while back where I was like, you know, do you feel that you have talents that have went untapped? Um, I have a homegirl that's a makeup artist that has yet to uh, to launch, you know, her YouTube channel, but um, she's cold as fuck at it. And mm. I think I think in the back of her mind, she felt she probably feels like, you know, hey, I'm cold at it, but damn, I gotta go up against James Charles. Or I got to go up against, you know, so-and-so that's already established. And it's like, bruh, I've been, I've drove, I've driven down the block. I saw a Zaxby's, a Raising Cane's, and I saw a freaking, you know, a Whataburger within blocks of each other. The reality mm. is there's competition. Get in there, find your lane, and do what you got to do. 
You know, and, and once again, I think the main reason that she figured out that she was cold at it was because she actually decided that she wanted to do it. Because you think about it for a long time. I'm pretty sure most women, well, they really want to get like, you know, get their face beat or, you know, do something like that. They would go and, get, you know, go to a Mac or something like that. They would. Yeah. Spend, yeah. Spend a bunch of money. But guess what? They got YouTube tutorials and they realize like, damn, like. I'm actually an artist. Like I actually have a steady hand like so-and-so. And eventually a lot of times, you know, a lot of these students, they get better than the teacher, mm-hmm. you know, and they would have never known that if they didn't, you know, go on Pinterest and realize that, you know, this DIY concept, you know, is for me. And like, it has created a culture of people that don't even realize how talented they are. So I appreciate Apple for that. Cause they, they, they opened up that Avenue. And you know, what's really, <clears throat> sorry, go ahead, Jay. You know, but podcast, like, yeah, I like I listen to it, you know, twice a week. And they, they'll always hit you with the, oh, well, it's a slow news week. It's, you know, so we got this, this, and this a little bit here and there. And I think that, yeah, us seeing a, a giant, like, hey, this is Joe Buddy podcast. Our podcast will never be that. Well, our podcast isn't supposed to be that. <laughs> I'm not here to bring you celebrity news because I'm not a celebrity. I don't know what those celebrities go through. You know, but I am here to look at it and say, hey, Felicity Hoffman got 14 days in jail. You know, how is that going to affect her mentally? If somebody like me got 14 days in jail, can I handle that? And, you know, not being a privileged celebrity? I could probably do 14 days in jail. I don't know, Jay. (laughs) (laughs) Do do you guys fear success? (laughs) Hey, what you was about to say? Do you guys fear success? Oh, me? Yeah, personally. Yeah, I do. Like deeply feel fear success. When you okay, what's success? If no boundaries does five million listens a week, are you afraid that you may not be able to talk about things that you would have been able to speak about before? Yeah, because they're gonna do me like they like the like they did you know James Gunn or how they did you know freaking mm. any anybody like they they'll they'll dig up my past and like. I'm a ruthless individual. I, have, <laughs> you know, I ain't raped nobody or killed nobody, no shit like that. But at the same time, um, uh, for, back five or six episodes yeah. where we said there are only two genders. Yeah, you know, it's and a, then that'll that'll be a mm. focal point, and we'll get all that. But see, I would welcome that. I was like, come tell me, you know, that there are more than two genders when you are born this way, and by but that's not here nor there. But yeah, at, at one point there will be somebody will go back and they will analyze all 150 episodes and they will find something mm. that we said and they will take a stand on that and they will come at us. I want a cult following. I'm not gonna lie to you. I like a cult following. You know, uh, you know, I, I that's I'd appreciate that. Like if I actually you want had, that, the, the the Zack Snyder following. Yeah, I'd be I'd be fine with that. Yeah, I'd be like I I feel like um. I feel like there is a you you follow A twenty four you know A twenty four huh uh, the uh, studio studio A twenty four yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think that you know they're getting real big but when I actually sat back and like peeped you know the movies they put out I'm like damn like they've done some dope shit but it's been on a small scale and they're still successful though because they have still put a dent in Hollywood and I like that I, I like the fact that if you were to think about podcasts. One day you could probably look at no boundaries and say, like, damn, like they actually put a little a little ding in the industry. That's perfectly fine with me. Like, I don't need to be a monster. I don't need a lump Illuminati at my front door. I am perfectly, <laughs> I am perfectly fine with that little dent because at mm-hmm. the end of the day, the people that truly appreciate me are gonna remember me. Like, that's fine. Do you think success makes you ultimately what you hate? 
Or do you think it's easy to fall into the, the trap of becoming what you hate when you obtain success? Because I think what happens with success is it kind of harkens back to the you, you uh, die a hero or live long enough to see yourself become the villain. And I was thinking about this from the from the Jay-Z NFL deal mm-hmm. where when that thing happened and there were so many conversations on is uh, it, about his motivations and with the quote unquote optics of how, how that looked and in terms of even Colin Kaepernick and stuff. But even for Jay himself, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to think if. Is that when it seems like the gray area increases as you get more successful? Where, like, you can't fault a man who has a company and his wife is Beyonce. So I'm sure maybe a part of him feels like I got to match her success, right? Like, I don't think, like, I'm, or let me ask you, do you think that's a part of it? Where being with Beyonce makes you more more ambitious because you're like, well, I gotta get on her level to some I mean, regard. If you, as an American, I kind of feel like to have that competitive nature is kind of in us. Hmm. Um, I, I think it is still a part of your personality. It's like, I mean, you are who you are. Yeah, you get drunk and start saying things, but you always wanted to say those things. True. So, so I think at the end of the day, I mean. I've always looked at Jay as one type of person. I mean, he's a businessman. So like it what I've always said, like what he did didn't really like bother me, hmm. but it just proved that if he has if he has some he basically took the white supremacist route. He when he when he was able to exploit something, which was, you know, people jumping on this pro black bandwagon, everybody hmm. being super woke, like he exploited that. He he's gonna be he's gonna release the uh the the, the Khalif Browder documentary, the the uh, the Trayvon Martin, the Meek mm. Mills. Like he's he's exploiting the fact that people are very you know sensitive now. And guess what? I know I'm gonna make money off the fact that y'all want to know more and y'all really care or y'all pretend to care. Doesn't matter as long as I get my money. That's mm. who Jay Z is. So when when I when I think about the the the, the primary question you're asking, um. I think my answer is just, you know, you are who you are, you know, for the most part. But interesting, a certain level of success, you know, can, you know, a certain level of success to me is like getting drunk. That's Mm. just how I look at it. Like, you've gotten drunk with power. Who are you going to become? Are you going to remain the same because you probably already felt like, hey, I've always had power? Or you're going to start ruling with an iron fist because deep down inside, that's what you've always wanted to do. That's how do, you, do you think he views it as exploiting, or do, of like? Course okay, not. Do you, but do you think that's even ever crossed his is his his head? Because I think if like we all to a certain extent have to exploit things, especially in like content creation, right? Even if you're on the come up, and a, a tragedy happens, and you record a, a, a or you write a think piece, or you record a really passionate YouTube video or a social media post that goes viral, and then it launches your career even in those stages of your come up you did exploit a tragedy for content fundamentally oh, yeah, we do it with our we do it with our show titles take a look at take a look at uh at Thanos's motivation titan ended because there were too many people and not enough resources uh-huh. so he took that tragedy and he's like i'm gonna mold the rest of the universe by cutting half of the population to justify, hey, this is how I'm going to preserve all life everywhere. Mm-hmm. So you take Jay-Z and he's like, okay, I've done, you know, I've, I've, I've bailed out 
you know, fathers for, for petty crimes. I've, I've done the Khalif Brown. I've, I've done it to civil rights movements. I've done all this. Now I've got to this point of power where, okay, now let me go into this arena and I can do the same thing. And eventually you do get that pushback. Because like, everybody's not going to agree with you. Yeah, everybody's not going to agree with you. Even though it's like, here's the proof of me doing this and being in other positions where I've empowered black people. Here's the proof of me being a part owner of the new, new, the next, yeah. And, and I've been able to, you know, I was able to move them to Brooklyn and I gave Brooklyn, you know, they got this stadium and quote unquote all these jobs that nobody can account for. <laughs> but, you know, like, I've been able to make a difference. So I can go anywhere and make a difference. But I also think it's a recognition of this climate, today's climate. Like, the hot topic right now, Beto O'Rourke said he's going to take everybody's guns. Everybody's talking about that. Oh, no, you're not taking my guns. You're not taking my guns. When was the last time somebody really talked about the wall? When was the last time we talked about these detainee camps? Like, you know, it's a constant revolution of what's the hot topic. It's breaking news every day. And he's getting lost and washed into that to where you forget that Oh, Jay Z has an NFL deal. Like we have one week of football down by week five or six. Probably not even gonna remember it. Gonna be afterthought. Bro, I'm, afterthought. I'm still trying to figure out where the TV head man is. Because <laughs> that, that individual bothered me. So I'm still on that story about <laughs> six weeks ago. Until I figure out what has become of him, then everything else doesn't matter. I'm sorry. I know that bothers you, Jay, but I'm just saying, bro. Wait till I drop a TV. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna be fucking terrified, bro. But but yeah, I mean, to answer your question, man, um, I I I, I mean, I've always been the kind of guy. I had stage fright growing up. So mm. for me, when I think about just overall popularity, I mean, think about it. You never really even get to see my face. So that's just who I am, bro. Like I stay behind the scenes. I've always loved being that guy. So when the opportunity of a podcast came to me, I jumped on it because it was like, damn, I get to just be a voice. I don't need to be a face. You know, I mean, every now and then I pop out, but come on, like that's that's just not who I am. No, regardless of if if every woman on this planet said, oh, you're beautiful, you need to show show your face more. I would not care because it's just not who I am. I don't need everybody seeing me. That's just it's just not who I am. It's it's a, uh, it takes a, it takes a certain type of person. I don't knock those people, but I mean that's yeah. just not who I am, you know. So I guess that's kind of why me and Jay get along because he's a kind of behind the scenes guy too. I struggle with marketing myself. Yeah, I don't feel I need to. So interesting. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah. yeah, that's a scary thing, man. About success is, do you think there's every line where you say, all right, once I reach this, I'm not, I'm not, I'm I'm done. Like I'm out. I'm going to retire from being more successful. I think I or, could be Thanos. I think I could sit on that, <laughs> sit there and just, you know, look at the sun and smile. I mm-hmm. think I could have that moment. I wish I wish one day I could say it's enough. I would love to have that moment. Because you could tie into and look at someone like Jay-Z and say, well, you've amassed all this wealth that for, for your family, at least, is going to be generational. Why do you need to keep doing this? And it kind of goes it's a, back. It's a certain level of insanity. They're like the Joker. Like it's just, it's almost just like they're just doing this shit because they don't is have. It it's chase? an obsession. Is it? Yeah. Is it, it's there. You go. I, that's what I believe. Like I feel, like I feel when you when you amass so much money and power, you feel like maybe I do need to be a role model. Maybe mm-hmm. I do need to 
give back or I do need to become this this activist of some sort. And I always remember like when Charles Barkley was was in the in, in NBA, he's like, I'm not a role model. Like yeah. I'm not gonna be the guy that tells you to to eat your green veggies and, and study hard. Like that's not who I want to be. And I shouldn't have to be that just because I'm an athlete. Like I don't think you should have to be that just because you're a celebrity. Yeah, I know, right? Now, now a lot of them are taking it upon themselves to be role models, and I think they just need to chill. I'm like, bro, like you're not a role model. You just need to, like, I could say some names, but I'm gonna just keep it as simple as saying <laughs> some people just need to chill. Like, some people don't. I feel like some people don't even need to speak on certain things. And do you but, think that comes from a genuine place of wanting to be good, or is that another marketing strategy for your your brand of saying, well, we also do this? It's con- I think it's a contractual obligation for a lot of them. I think a lot of them. Uh, PR PR people behind the scenes like, hey, you need to speak on this. For instance, I think for I think if Drake would have never got the social media pushback to talk about, you know, you know, um, you know, social injustice in America, I don't think he would ever done it. Just like Michael Jordan would have never done it. Because for a minute, I mean, I know behind the scenes they're talking about they're probably talking about it with their loved ones. But yeah. I kind of felt like they just want to be artists. Michael Jordan just wanted to be a basketball player. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I really believe LeBron just wanted to be a basketball player. But mm. I think in this in, in today's climate, when when once you get to that certain level of success now, everybody's looking at you like, what you gotta say about this? What do you think? But then mm. again, there are still people that get away with it. Like, I mean, JJ Watt in Houston, there's shit that he doesn't talk about out here. And like I I personally, it would be hilarious to me if he was a Trump supporter and a Republican. It wouldn't shock me, but nobody nobody asked him those type of questions. For a long time, Taylor Swift got away with it, but they start pushing back like, hey, what do you feel about this, Taylor Swift? Because when you get so big nowadays, everybody wants to just know like every every element of you, and I think that that's unfair. It's too much access. Yeah, I'm like... Too much access. You, can't be, you, you have to be this person. I can't just be Taylor Swift who throws on sweats on a Saturday and, and runs to the grocery store. No, because there's 15 people outside with cameras like, Taylor Swift in these sweats. Like, you can't be, quote unquote, human. You have to be this this celebrity icon all the time. And do I you can think, see how it's taxing. Do you think this is just the standard for life moving forward, or do you see a moment where it all implodes? And now oh. the, the, and now it's um, the trend is to be restrictive. Being private again is going to become cool again. I think it is. And if it doesn't, then it, it would have to, like, I think we're going to see more. You say what? It, it, it has to implode at some point. Yeah. It, it I, just I, has. I think you see it now. Even the suicides, stuff, man. The suicides, even with the stuff with Felicity Huffman, like, oh, yeah, you were paying for your kid to get better grades to go to school. Like, hey, some people do that now. Yeah, they do. So, like, mm-hmm. it, it's slowly like, okay, you're having these real world problems, these regular people problems, but because you're a celebrity, they're heightened to a to a different extent. So yeah, I think it's imploding right now. I mean you gotta think about the mass shootings, man. Like the mass shootings are are a sign of, you know, um what my belief is, you know, people that don't get attention. And eventually when everybody starts to realize that and stop giving these mass shooters attention, they're gonna have to find another way. You know, and and, and that's just it's a lot of stuff happening right now. If it continues, then yes. We're gonna die. Like we're gonna, we're gonna just, <laughs> just simple. Like we just, you, you're not gonna feel safe. And I'm be honest with you. Like yeah. I purposely didn't go watch the uh, It Chapter Two because I was, you know, in back of my mind, I'm like, man, somebody might come in that bitch, shoot it up. I'm Yo, not gonna watch like, Can I tell you a story when I saw it the other night? This is gonna sound really fucked up, but 
uh, during the trailers, someone uh, shined a a laser on the on the screen and was doing that through the trailers. And I swear to God, the entire movie, I was alert, paying attention to everyone walking in and out. And it didn't even hit me at the time. Like it hit me moments later when I was talking about the laser. I'm like, what if what if that's like an assault rifle? And someone's just what? waiting for this movie to start. And I was paying attention. Even if it took my eyes off the film itself, I'm watching everyone coming in, going out, getting up to go to the bathroom, doing everything. Now I'm like actively looking to see if there's if there's some shit happening. Like what, yes. what, even like over the sound of the film, I'm like, well, is, am I hearing some shit like uh, bullets being loaded or something? Right. And it was troublesome, man. It really was. And I used to love going to open night on the on, to movies, bro. I used to love it. I can't do it no more. Mm. I can't do it no more. And it's, it's I hate to say it's a fear, but it's just people are fucking wild. So do you think the fear is going to bring privacy back where like the fear is going to make just shit be like empty theaters is going to be the a fear thing. is going to make shit going to make shit weird because, okay. yeah, when the empty theaters come, you got to ask yourself, where's everybody at? A lot of people are going to be trying to do everything from the comfort of their home. They're, They're gonna already come up and be like, all right, boom, you can stream this movie to your house. Which you can. 50 bucks. Yeah, which you can. You can look mm. at 50 bucks. And you think about it. Well, shit, I got my own snacks here. If I can pay for a movie here, I'm coming out about the same price. And I'm yeah. going to come to my own home. It's, it's creeping up. And when society gets like that, shit's mm. going to get weird. That's why I feel like the whole sex robot thing was, was you know, it is as... How do I say? I'm glad they're not easily accessible, meaning I'm glad they're not cheap. But if they ever become, you know, easily accessible and cheap, man, mm. like you got to think about how, you know, a, a lot of women are going to be looked at as useless. It's fucked up as it sounds, <laughs> but I'm just saying, like, that's yeah. what ends up happening because that's the same thing with, you know, dudes that just feel the need to, hey, I'm going to just relieve myself and I'm going to stay in the house and, you know, and relax. Like, mm-hmm. we're, we're, we're becoming to the point where slowly, more slowly, it's happening, but the the more we get comfortable without, you know, what isolating ourselves, it, shit's gonna get weird, man. Shit's gonna get weird. That's just how I look at it. That's the, that's as simple as I could put it. And do you think things are gonna get weird more so than we're able to adjust to them, like quicker than we're able to adjust? I mean, if I think if I think as as far as a man goes, I feel like you know it's. It's my responsibility to adjust where I need to adjust. Okay. You know, I think I think even with me, like I said, I don't mind being in my own little personal space. But it's since I do realize the importance of affection and socializing, yeah. I do it yeah. as much as I can. I think I'm always going to be like that. But okay. once again, I don't think a lot of people understand that. I don't think a lot of people recognize that, you know, so social how important genuine socializing is. That's why mm. um, when I was talking about how like. When people go out now, it's everybody's you know in their phones and like they're not really having a good time. And the reason I feel like people need to understand why that's a danger is because if you're out and you're not really, um, you know, fraternizing with people, then it almost defeats the purpose. I'm because, going out, yeah. yeah, it's almost like I'm just in. I'm, I came out with my friends, but I know these people already. I want to get to know more people, but I can't because everybody's lost in their phones. Yeah, that's that's an issue to me. And I mean, the only way that's really unless. Unless every social media has a 72-hour blackout one day, then I don't know what's going to happen. I think that'll be a I think that'll be a huge turning point in society if we we went a whole week with a social media blackout and everybody was forced to uh to uh you know reminisce about the days of Pokemon Go where you had to <laughs> But 
like I told you, like when I did my 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 seven day podcast fast, where I didn't I didn't even listen to our show, I didn't listen to anything. <laughs> like after that seven days, like it was some stuff that was like I I didn't miss this show at all. Like I'm I'm, I'm not really getting back into this one. Like okay, yeah, I, I missed this sports one, this one, but like for the most part, it's like I'm like the number of sh- podcasts I listened to like went down drastically. I don't blame. And then I realized that. I primarily listen to podcasts, you know, when I'm commuting or when I'm working out. Yeah. And then since I, I was listening to them and I really got back into music and I was, you know, like, oh, let me check out all the new music that's flowing into it. It's like I miss listening to music compared to listening to podcasts. Man, Damn. that that makes sense. That makes sense. Man, we already approached an hour and twenty. Jeez. But I, I want to quickly before we 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 wrap up, I want to ask you guys about relationships and your your perspective on the current state of relationships. <laughs> My bad, I had to get that laugh out. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but um, I mean, if, if 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 I'm pretty sure we'll have some of your people listening, and hopefully um that transitions for you. But uh, people that have been listening to me, they pretty much know that I think relationships today, mm. it's a um. It's like you're going into a dumpster and you're trying to find um, something to salvage that you you hope is going to be worth a million dollars someday. And you worth, you hope it's worth the investment because I think that um, the current culture across the board is uh, is toxic to the point where um, all you can do is be hopeful. Hmm. Uh, I had a, a blog post up to basically summarize what I'm saying. Uh I look at relationships today as if you don't, if you're not patient, then you won't be rewarded. And I think that a lot of people are just so, they're so um, adamant about living that life that their parents lived in the 20th century that they're not accepting the fact that the times have changed. And I always tell Jay that monogamy is a beautiful thing, but the reality is a lot of people are not even practicing monogamy now. And that that's a conversation people hate to have, but I think a lot of people in relationships now are in open relationships and it's involuntary. And that's how I look at the dating world today. I feel like it's a lot of lying going on. It's a lot of side chick, side mm. side guy stuff. It's a lot of uh, work husband, work wife. It's a lot of things going on today that make relationships very hard to um, take serious. And the people that do take them serious, they are far and few. You know, and and I'm um, honestly, outside of Jay, I would say maybe like two other people I know, uh, take them serious. And then that's not shitting on anybody else. But I'm just saying, like, on a personal level, because I actually talked to Jay. Like, yeah. I know he takes relationships serious, and I feel sorry for him. That's so, <laughs> but me personally, yeah. I know one day I'll be in one. I know one day okay. I'll be in one to be successful. But more than likely, the person's gonna gonna hate me. Based on the fact that I'm, I'm I mean, I'm a, I'm gonna take charge. I'm a lead. But I'm see, do that's a need. tall yeah. order because I feel like knowing as much as I know of you, the the woman that you can make it work with is gonna have to be a woman who is not afraid to one take accountability, and I, I feel like that is probably the the rarest commodity in women is the ability to take accountability without. Or even just the open to the idea of taking accountability. Forget actually taking it. Just the open to the idea that uh, they're like I'm contributing to this being toxic as well. It's not a one way street. Of course. And and when you think about 
in order to have that, you have to be able to really put yourself underneath the microscope and like break yourself down. Like you have to be able to look into the mirror and say, "Hey, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a shitty person," and people's identity is so frail that how many can actually really do that? Because then you're gonna have this Im- you're gonna have this freaking power imbalance throughout the entire course of a relationship where someone is always gonna feel like they can't do do anything right, and then you're gonna have someone who feels that they're always right. And they can't do anything wrong. And then that makes the idea of another woman and the chase of, well, uh, maybe another woman is not going to be that way. So now you get caught up in, in, in the cycle of, damn, I'm going to I'm going to have a side chick. or I'm going to do this and I'm going to I'm going to creep. I'm going to I'm just going to go out with the boys. I'm going to do whatever to escape the, this romance that we have. And the, the scary this my bad. The scariest thing for me is the deception in the beginning of most relationships, it people is. pretending to be who, because what happens is people stalk your, people stalk your social media accounts. People, people, uh, people may listen to you. Yeah. People may listen to your podcast and they, they, they know exactly the things that mm. you fuck with. So for, so when they get to know you for those first four to six weeks, they'll be that, you know, and, and it's both sides do that. And that's scary to me because after the, after the acting drops, you get to know that real person. And I think, that's what breaks a lot of relationships these days is people, I mean, it's a honeymoon phase. People get lost in that honeymoon phase. And when they're dealt with the, when they're faced with the pressure of having to accept a heavily flawed person, the mm. real them, they can't handle it. They they want to go back to, they want to go back to that filtered Photoshop person that, that they fell in love with. That person that pretty much was their yes man or their yes woman. And it sucks. And the scariest part is, is I don't feel like our society encourages that. They, like, it doesn't encourage you just being alone and really reflecting and figuring your shit out. Yeah. It's really the, this thing of, well, I hate the mentality of you got to get back out on the horse. I, I hate that mentality. It's like, if, if you deeply care about someone, how do you just jump into another relationship? It, it, <laughs> how are you even mentally... In, in, how are you even emotionally in that place of so quickly hitting the switch and now it's someone new that you're ready to build from from square one with? That's why I don't get mad at people that, that have a hard time letting go because everybody's not built like that. Yeah. You say what? I can't let go for shit. I'm still oh, tough. I'm, I'm still traumatized by my, my ass. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, with, with me, it's kind of it's, it's like the worst thing you could possibly tell me is this is all your fault. Mm. Like I, I need you to say, hey, we both in here messing up, cause I'm, I'm quick to say, hey, I messed up, or you know, hey, I did this, and then, but for my opposite to say, yeah, you did do that, it's like, hold on, there's two people in this relationship, so yeah. if I fail, we both fail, definitely, so we both mess up. I don't, I don't need to sit here and be like, oh, I'm dating this perfect person, so therefore, I'm the. Anytime something goes wrong, I'm the one that messes up. Like, like you said, the, the accountability has to be both ways. And and it's me. I don't even care if you don't take half of it. Mm. Like you can take forty, and I'll take sixty. Bro, it's the power. <laughs> it's the power. It's the power dynamic. If my girl came to me and admitted she was wrong about something without me asking her, just out of pure her own intuition, her own genuine reflection and emotion, came to me and said, "Yo, I fucked up. I was wrong." I now have all the power on how I can dictate this freaking relationship. Do I want to make you feel really bad? 
do I want to drag this out and really like fuck with your emotions? Do I want to pretend to be crushed to make you feel even worse? Or do I want to take that power and and be responsible with it and say, you know what? Yeah, like we all make mistakes. It's, it's all good. I still love you. And that is what I fear is that you can be your genuine self and the person you're being your genuine self with is going to interpret that as if there's something special about them and they're going to feel powerful. Like they're going to feel like they're on this pedestal and high horse because that has been the case with every single one of my exes. It wasn't necessarily anything about them that was making me nurturing and caring and wanting to make things work. It was just me being myself. But their interpretation was that I'm the shit. I have him in the palm of my hands because you and, put her put her up there and, it's and not I wasn't like, even yeah but what now I think about it now as you said that was I putting her up there or was I just being me in a relationship and now when I think about some, my something she wasn't used to yeah but like you have the power and you showed me what the fuck you're gonna do with power and now imagine that if I took because I've been out of I haven't hooked up with anyone since my ex we've been broken up for almost three four years I haven't even gone out on a single date in three four years. And it, when I tell people that the perception of me is one, get over it, or there must be something wrong with you, or what it, what about you is not attracting women, but it's not that I wasn't attracting women. I had plenty of opportunities to do so. I just didn't because now I, my state of mind is I'm more selective with, with when I put myself out there and what I'm looking for. And that only came from three, four years of not even thinking about dating, right? And my ex has been out here dating, getting into relationships. She hasn't had any any time to really just reflect on how she was a shitty person. So the cycle is just going to continue. Yep. It's not like I want her relationship, her next relationship or her marriage if she gets married to, to be bad, but she hasn't put the time in into herself to be like, these are my character flaws. If I can't fix them, at the very least, I should be aware of them. And that knowledge fucking scares people, and that scares me. Why wouldn't you want to be knowledgeable? And see, and see, I, I, I'm, I'm like you. Like, I just don't let go. And like, all right, two, three weeks later, I'm on to somebody else because when I'm in a relationship, there's a yes. certain there, there's a certain intimacy to it. It's like, no, I'm not just gonna go out here and start fucking whoever. Like, cause I, I, I feel that the skin is is intimate. So when I touch another skin that I haven't mentally connected to. I don't, I don't, I don't like that. It's not like, the same. I, I, I'm, I'm just here for, for, for this skin on skin contact. Like, no, it, it's not the same. So I just don't like to run into something else. And like you said, you have to address your flaws. Know that the relationship didn't end solely because of something she did. It ended solely. It ended up based on some stuff that I did as well. And if you just say, oh no, he fucked up or she fucked up, and you know, three weeks later, I know I'm perfect. So whoever I get next is gonna, you know. You don't really address any of that. And, you don't. Uh, and in this culture, when you have millions of people at your fingertips, and, and uh, especially for women, oh, shit, you're getting 15, 20, 30, 40, 50, 80, uh, 100 likes. And if some guy under there with hard eyes, you know, hey, let me let me see what this guy's <laughs> about. He's already here waiting in the wings. You go look at you can go look at all of my posts, even the ones that I, I have in the archive. There are no hard eyes under there. <laughs> I put hard eyes under a man's post. But the, the opportunity is always there for women. 
it's it's a uh, it's definitely imbalanced. But um, at the end of the day, man, mm-hmm. I, like I said, you just cannot give up hope. But then I do respect the people that um do find the time to self reflect because it's scary how many people think they know themselves that don't. And um, I mean, serial dating is a problem, and um, that's what a majority of the dating field is a yes. bunch of people that just don't want to be alone and they don't care who they hurt along the way. So it's just a bunch of people just dealing with that trauma. And it's just, it's just being recycled throughout the dating community. That's why I'm a very, very strong advocate against dating apps because dating apps create a, once a mirage that you actually have these options when you don't, a mm. lot of people are not on dating apps trying to find a wife or a husband they just own there because they want to fulfill the need of not being alone. It's another that's attention avenue. That's it. That's it. That's why that's I tell wild. people, hey, get out. Enjoy life. Enjoy yourself. You never know. You may be in a grocery store and you might bump into that someone. It may. Just let it happen organically. Be patient. I'm always going to preach that because I really believe, regardless of who or what you believe in, I think patience is a virtue. And I also think that when you are patient, you will get gifted in a way. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I mean, it sounds like some, you know, some weird shit. But I mean, I really do believe that when you I, I believe patience is the same as working hard because you can either be this uh, Insta model that feels shitty, but you look good because, you you know, you surgically impaired your body or you could be this dude that or this woman that actually put in the work. Yeah, you go through some painful stages, but when you get to that point where your body looks good and you look good, you feel good. Mm-hmm. You know, you mentally feel good. You look at yourself in the mirror. You don't mind being naked. You know, it's it's so many things that go along with just actually waiting and getting there that really I think it, it it's, it's a sign of paying off. The big payoff is what it is. I, I, I think people would appreciate the payoff more if they realized how long it took people just think it's going to happen in, a, in an instant everything is so microwave like nah bro or even how uncomfortable it is to even wait for that because people <sighs> don't realize a lot of comfort comes out of uncomfortability and, sure. and um that's not a message that i feel like gets promoted enough where if you want things to like you got to break shit down for things to be built in the way you want them to be. But people don't want to break things down because of the, of the negative connotation that, 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 that comes with that, right? Where if uncomfortability and putting yourself underneath this metaphorical microscope and really being alone with your thoughts and reflecting, if that's a, if society perceives that as a negative process and you're a loner and there must be something wrong with you, but something amazing comes out of that, then why isn't that why why isn't that promoted as the route? Why is the route promoted as if just like, well, just just keep on moving forward or or get back out and engage in activities and then you'll you'll find happiness that way. Cause we think about think about the shit that comes with that. Think about the culture today. Think about the alcoholism. Think mm. about, you know, the, the clubbing and all the emptiness people, ch- the, the shit people chase that still leaves them empty. All that stuff benefits somebody's pocket. So, of course, they don't want to promote, you know, you know, um, just, you know, use your insurance to go get therapy. You know, mm. stay to yourself, you know, find some hobbies because it it it. it it, it hurts somebody's pocket. <laughs> People, with the way society is going right now, 
I believe in a few years, psychiatric wards should be a lot bigger or a lot more full just based on the fact that people are doing a lot of chaotic shit that is leaving them empty still. And that, that, that uncomfortable feeling that you talk about it, it, I mean, it's, it's to me, I hear that. And I think about truth. The truth makes a lot of people uncomfortable. That's why they gravitate, gravitate towards pseudosciences and a bunch of bullshit that just justifies their bullshit. That's why people, (laughs) (laughs) that's why people, you know, run to certain YouTube videos or run to, uh, what's his name? Derek Jackson. Mm-hmm. What's their, their the, the simp the simp himself? Like they run to him and they want to validate their bullshit when they know seventy percent of the stuff he says is outright bull. So are we mutants for gravitating towards the truth or wanting that? Like we then we must be mutants. Then is that the mutant gene for us? Is that we, no matter how harsh or abrasive or how shitty it may make us feel, we welcome that, that feeling. Because, like, are we just, like, attracted to pain and uncomfortability? Or what is that? When the majority of the people... I mean, that's one thing I've always wanted to ask you. Like, were you bullied when you were growing up? Yeah, Yeah, I was. See, me too. And I think, I think with that, I think, I mean, and a lot of people probably would because we live in a society where people think being a victim is cool. Mm. And I'm pretty sure everybody wants to will probably say, you know, they've been bullied, but I'm like, I've been, I was genuinely bullied growing up. And yeah. that's one of the reasons why, you know, I changed my demeanor about a lot of things. I changed my appearance. And I think that that definitely made my skin thick. And also growing up with a Nigerian mother, she was, she was with her words. Like they were like sharp. She didn't give a damn. <laughs> she tell you exactly what you need to hear. And eventually it was just like, you know what? If somebody's willing to say something like that to me, I would hope they were being honest mm. because even as I was being bullied, it's not like anybody was really lying. They were just telling me what I look like. And it was like, shit, if that hurt your feelings, then shit, you must not like yourself. Then what ended up happening? I ended up loving myself more because I'm like, damn, like that makes me unique. You know, and that's why for me, that's why I welcome the truth because of the fact that, I mean, it's I'd rather that than to be lied to. And I think that's I think people lie so much these days to want the truth is like um, to me, that's like I'm not asking for much. (laughs) I just want you to don't give me a if I I want to if I want a story, if I want a fairy tale, I'm gonna go to Netflix. I'm gonna Mm -hmm. read a book. I don't need these people to to go out of their way to try to spare my feelings because in a sense, I think you really care about me more if you're willing to tell me the truth. So I guess that's why I appreciate the truth, because I think the truth comes from a good place. I never really looked at the truth as something that came from a bad place. I don't see how it could. What do they say? The naked truth is better than a well-dressed lie? I know. it's. And, and I'm a firm believer that like the truth will eventually come to the light. Oh, it will. It will. you start with the truth then to lead me down this trail of a fake facade that you're trying to put on to either spare my feelings or to hide your true intentions. Because at least we start with the truth, you give me the decision-making ability. Like, all right, this is your truth. I can, mm. I can choose to accept it or I can choose to reject it. But you empowered me to make that decision. Kind of like you mentioned with how people will stalk your, your social media and everything like that to get to know about you. Like, a girl that I had dated once, she told me that she was deep into basketball. She loved basketball. She liked the Lakers. And I was at her house on Christmas Day, and the Lakers were playing the Cavs. This has been years ago. And I said, hey, babe, the game's on. You want to watch the game? Oh, I really don't like basketball like that. <laughs> what, the, what the hell? 
this like this past, you know, three months, I thought you liked basketball and you really don't. And it didn't matter if you liked it or not. It's just deception, bro. It's just that it's, they 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 put up that uh they 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 put up that act and like I said, man, when the when the final act comes, it's like oh shit, the show is over now. This yeah. is me. This is <laughs> like no, and I mean, and sometimes it still works, you know. But for the most part, you that has to bother you a That's little bit. Scary. It is. It is. It's no. It's really really fucking scary. People do it. That's why. That's why I I prefer. Why? Why? Tell me why. (laughs) Why do people do it? Like there must be something wrong with us when that seems outrageous to us. Then that's the only logical conclusion. When I when we started and I told you I'm probably psychotic. That's the only logical conclusion I've been able to come (laughs) up with. Is that I'm I must then there must be something wrong with me. Where if a girl cheats on me, I want to know that. And I want to know ASAP. Don't like wait away a week or a month to figure out how you're going to have that conversation with me. Have that conversation with me. Just like, just, just tell me. Like, I, I'm like a lot of dudes I've spoken to, they don't want to know if their girl cheats because it's uncomfortable. But, <laughs> but <laughs> why would you not even want to know? Like, how can you just. If that happens, sure, out of sight, out of mind, but still. I mean, ignorance is bliss. Yeah, that's what I was, that's what I was thinking. I was kind of like, Ugh, I don't know if I really want to know that or not. Like, uh. People are in a bunch of involuntary open relationships. I said it already. That is the reality of today's culture. People rather just kind of laugh about it and shake it off, but mm-hmm. that is the reality. Like, I, I mean... Every I've been in so many different spaces where people talk about how like oh man uh, you know his, his wife that his wife this or his girlfriend this we hear about it in rap songs like that's that's the culture so people they can joke about it they can they can do all these things about it but at the end of the day to actually face it head on that is uncomfortable it it, it it's it's so unsettling and once again it's 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 easier to just pretend that it isn't there when in the back of your mind you know it's there i mean it's i don't know i i i personally once again welcome it because i kind of have a way of like i see people's darkness before i even see their light so mm. I'll, I'll, I'll automatically i automatically see people as um like even when i listen to you hmm. like you have plenty of asshole moments but that doesn't <laughs> that doesn't bother me though because it's it's that's fine i mean i, I forgot who said this but um, I know it came from a, uh, a famous movie quote, but like, I know that somebody said something like, I can't, I can't deal with somebody that seems like they're all good. You know, almost like if I'm dealing with somebody and it's like, they're just too clean. Like mm-hmm. that doesn't, it doesn't feel right. So that's kind of, I've always been like, I can't deal with somebody that just seems like they're just picture perfect. Not, they, have, they have no flaws. That's why religious people scare me. I've always said that, like, people that are, like, you know, running around acting like they're holier than thou, those people be terrible people. I've, 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 it's been proven time and time again. And I've always felt like, just give me the raw you, because I know the raw you is probably fucked up, but it's fine, because I'm fucked up too. That's it. That's just, but once again, that ain't everybody. Some people have gotten, they have gotten so lost in their, um, Cause see, you know what's ironic? I'm sorry to cut you off, but people would call us naive for feeling this way. But I would make the argument that if you think or if you feel that people need to just always present their good side to you, and that's all, that's when you'll gravitate towards them because they're present. That makes you naive. 
So it's ironic. Yeah, I would agree with that. I, I, I've even told people that you're you're not really into a relationship until you've had your first argument. Like you had your first argument, your first fight. That's how you know you're in a relationship because now you see something bad in this person. The most well, telling that, moment. I said now that you mentioned that's the most telling moment of how that person is when that yeah, that minute. Sorry, go ahead. You get into an argument with, with with your significant other, you're gonna see a lot. You're gonna see, oh, we get into an argument, this person starts talking bad about me. They start attacking my character or, or something like that. It's not just about the topic at hand. They start pulling up other stuff that's been going on. It's kinda like, whoa, we arguing about folding clothes and you talking about that I'm a mom's boy now. <laughs> so, where this and now you're really getting to see this person in their entirety. Like you've seen the good housewife or the husband that takes care of the yard work, but now he's uh, he's attacking you on different levels and stuff that you didn't see is coming out now. And now you're now you're in the relationship, so it's like, okay, do I per- do I continue with this, knowing that this is the per- this is how this person reacts when they're upset? Boy, that's tough, man. I, if 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 somebody was, if I feel a person is manipulative or, or like emotionally abusive. I can't fuck with those type of people because like even, you know, I've been in past relationships where, uh, you know, the woman felt like, hey, I'm just going to cry. I'm just going to cry. And this and, and this is going to get my way. But they don't they don't realize, like, I don't believe that shit half the time. Like, that, you that, cry was my ex. that was my ex Getting <laughs> sad and crying. And Bruh. then I look like the asshole when I said, hey, but <laughs> why are you crying this this is like we're having a, a, a discussion about something why are you starting to cry like you're exactly. only crying because you want your way but you're not understanding what, why i'm saying what i'm saying or why i feel the way i feel my ex did this one thing where i would present my issue to her to her and she would counter with an issue she had with me and i would just tell her like, <laughs> this is basic math i came to you with one issue you present one issue to me we have two issues Jesus. There was no trying to understand what you were trying to say. It's like, well, that, this is what you do. Yes. And it's like, all right, well, even if that's a genuine issue you have with me, not assuming that you're just countering with something, how about we address what I brought to you and why I'm feeling the way I'm feeling first? And then that's when the crying would happen. Why do you feel so shitty? Um, uh, you always think the worst of me. And I'm like, fam, it's not that serious. Like, I'm upset about something. Let me get it out. Yeah, and then I'm it's not like, oh, you voice, think too I'm deeply. not cursing, like, I'm yeah. just talking to you. And then the think, oh, you think too deeply about things <laughs> as a way to, like, dismiss what the fuck I'm saying. Like, <laughs> that no, shit, I'm, not, wow. I'm that, not thinking too deeply. I'm being a fucking person with you. Like, I'm, I'm sorry. You, I'm, sh- I'm sharing these feelings with you. You this have feelings? I'm thinking deeply. This is how I feel. I didn't know you had feelings. There's only, <laughs> I'll tell you guys this. There's only one time in my relationship, five-year relationship, there's only one time I felt powerful. When I Damn. found out she cheated is the uh-huh. only time I felt powerful. Because the way that girl begged for another chance was the most powerful I've ever felt in my entire relationship with anyone. Like, she was sending me, like, Hinduism quotes she was blowing up my phone. She was doing everything. And what's uncomfortable now is when I reflect on that is that it had nothing to do with my value in her life. It was all about her feeling shitty. And at that moment, I was like, damn, like she must really be sorry. Like she, damn, like she's doing things she's never done before. But it was all self-driven. It was never the fact that, yo, I cheated on this dude who I claim to love. And I did so in a really devious way, and I made everything fucking horrible. 
It was like, oh my God, my ego feels like utter shit. I got to make up for it. And that is scary because I forgave her. And then ironically, I had opportunities to to cheat. And I was like, no, I'm not going to go down that tit for tat path because once you're there, then then that just becomes your, your solution for everything. And all right. Like, I care about you, and it's virtually impossible to build a broken trust, but all right, let's see. Because I was naive in thinking that all those feelings were out of feeling bad for me and the act of cheating, but it was just her ego of losing me. It wasn't anything about me at all. I could have been anyone. It's just the, the act of losing someone and not being able to get them back that made you do shit and then when you start looking at relationships from that way and like the psychological struggle and the power dynamics and it's like it's very difficult to have a normal relationship and i think well if, if there's any point where we may be single for the rest of our lives is because i feel like we know too much about certain things hey i'm perfectly fine with that just based just based on the fact that i think that you know, I know we as men are talking from a man, a, man, a man's perspective, but I think a lot of women are going through that, uh, through that too. But mm. the scary thing about the women I know mm. that they don't, they don't even realize it. And I'm like, this is what you're oh, dealing with. Yeah. You're dealing with a bunch of ego-driven, manipulative, <laughs> emotionally abusive people out here, and yeah. you're 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 constantly trying to gravitate towards them. Because of good sex, maybe, or because you know you don't you you don't want to start over. Like, nah, man, it's you ain't got to do that. Like, you could mm. relax, enjoy yourself. It just it's it's okay to be alone for a while. People, yeah. I just don't think so many people are trying to preach this. Oh, y- y'all need to stop telling people. You know, being alone is the way. I ain't saying be alone forever. I'm just saying if that is the case, it is fine. You are going yeah. to be okay. Yeah, it's not going to be the end of the world. It could because you can either have that or you can continue to be in relationships that continue to age you and continue to destroy you. Like choose a path, and and, I, and one of those paths is obviously better than the other. And that's why mm. I posted that uh that Ike and Tina Turner, and I'm like, hey man, you, uh, one of the in- interesting things about this is you know she stayed strong. And she made she she technically made it out because I know I think she, I believe she outlived him, but you can only imagine how much better her life probably would have been if she would have ran away sooner, you know? Because I know Ike put her through hell, bro. Like I know he did, yeah. but people just they just can't they, they especially in those times. Oh man, that's your husband. You know you need to do this. You need to do right by him. You know he loves you. And like no. 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 The real that. abuse is when someone is is shitty for like ninety five percent, but they give you five percent of their ideal self, and you <sighs> get you're so desperate, you get attached to that five percent. You're like, all right, even five percent is is good with me. That's what like, a lot of people are doing today. Yeah, a yeah, a lot, a lot. And, I mean, it's a that was me with too you. for the longest time. Oh yeah, I, I mean. And then what's worse is as you dig the hole deeper and deeper for yourself, and you think back about the good memories, even though it's five percent. Like it feels like more more substantive than five percent because it was yeah. so rare, right? It's like you didn't get that all the time. So now that is what's highlighted, and your entire sort of memory, all your memories are distorted in that way. So now you're actively making this better person in your memories better because of only five percent. That's it. That's yeah. all it takes. It's fucking scary. 
Sorry, you were saying? And that's what sends a lot of people back when they don't take the time to heal. Yeah. Hold on to that 5%. And then you start forgetting about the bad times. And it's like, what was that 5% actually 20%? Mm. Or was that 5% actually 60%? Then you start questioning yourself, like, am I was I asking this person to be perfect? And then but you realize that, whoa, hold on. This was way more toxic than it was good. Yeah. And I, I'm sitting here and I'm justifying it based off of those five percent of good experiences. And in those dark moments, you start blaming yourself. Cause that that five that five percent really you start thinking that, damn, maybe I was maybe damn, maybe I was really fucked up in this situation. Like shit. And sure you everyone is messed up at yeah. certain points of their relationship, but then when it gets distorted like that, you start blaming yourself for things that aren't really your fault. You wow. start blaming yourself if you're able to self-reflect at all. Now you might be just taking it to the extreme and taking the whole blame while this yeah. other person is like, bitch, I was good 95% of the time in this relationship. Like, you, you were the one that was messing up. So it, it, it's, it's a balance. Yeah. Woo. That is wild. But like I said, I pray I pray for people out there on the market, you know, you know, hoping for that five percent, because that's what a lot of people are hoping on. They like, hey, if I can get somebody that's just five percent good to me, it's like, hold up, is is that all you're worth? Like, that is that who you value yourself? Just that five? You don't have a belief that you can at least find something that's like sixty, like mm-hmm. a genuine sixty? Like, nah, man, I'm trying to get this five because I want a baby, I want to get married, I want a house, man, please. As long as five percent covers all that, you'll you'll deal with infidelities, abusiveness, abuse. man. That is. And I feel like uh, a lot of people just want babies to just because they feel like it's gonna get likes and retweets. You take man, it. It's a social marker now. It's a social <laughs> marker. Yeah. yeah. It's, that that that, that pisses is, me off. Yeah. You know that pisses me off because um I, I don't I don't I laugh at all these little kid stars. That are on uh on you know on social media, but just growing up in the day and age where you know we had our uh River Phoenix, we had our Macaulay Culkins, we had our um our childhood stars that you know are, that end up being crack addicts, end up you know just we we figured out they were you know fondled by older execs, you know they just live traumatic lives and it's like damn did they ever really get a chance to be kids because they were always in front of a camera. And I don't understand why we want to continue that cycle knowing damn well how dangerous it is. You know, and that's... And now we have an ability to do it on on, on an even grander scale. Because back in the day, you had to be Michael Jackson good. To, <laughs> and nowadays, you just got to be cute. And maybe, like, make a funny face. And next thing you know, you're a, a meme trend. And people are following you going into, like, third grade and fourth grade now. Because is- you, you became a meme trend. What's that yeah, one? I, the, what was that popular meme kid? Uh, Gavin, I believe. Oh, yeah. He's verified on Twitter. And then, like, well, I, I saw the other day, it was like going into third grade and like posting about it. <laughs> and that, that, that has to, uh, he doesn't know it now, but eventually mm. he'll be in a classroom with somebody that's annoyed by that. That's like, hey, bro, you take, take, take the camera off me. You know, like, mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't want to be on camera. Like, I'm, just, I'm in here just trying to learn because somebody in somebody's household is raising their kid, you know, without a TV in front of them, without smartphones in front of them. And mm-hmm. that, and that's that's just how society works. Everybody is not being indo- indoctrinated the same way or raised the same way. So, yeah. you know, he will end up being in a class with somebody that he's going to rub the wrong way. And that's where the trouble starts, because everybody doesn't value having a camera in front of them all the time. Just like, oh, my old boy from the from a uh, West Side gym, like 
He, you know, he, he's just in here trying to get a workout in. I don't need the tripods in here. Why tripods in here? Who are you? You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. But that's, you know, it, I, I just, I just, I really want better for society. But I know that once again, at most, if we do become a ding in the culture, mm. I know that we'll probably only affect so many people. And that's fine. Cause I'm not, I'm, I'm personally like, I'm not trying to be a Martin Luther King or a Malcolm X. I'm not trying to necessarily change the world, but um, kind of like what Tupac said, I hope the person that does eventually change the world, I, I hope I'm one of the people that, that sparked that, that influence. Thought. I love yeah. that. Yeah. You know, I love that, but you know, I, I'm not with the foolishness, man. Jay, Jay know me though. I like, <laughs> I, I don't, the one thing I'll never do is I'll never just agree with people for mm. the sake of agreeing with people. That's why I, I still don't I still don't bend on a lot of my beliefs because those make me feel complete as a person. They make me feel, you know, um they 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 instill the value in myself because I feel like if I was to bend or break on certain things, I would no longer be me. So that's that's just important to me. That's why a lot of things that I I my a lot of my views may be problematic, but it's like it's okay. You know, if that if that causes you to not be my friend that's fine. What Trump say today to old old girl? Oh, see, I'm, I'm voting for Donald Trump, but I'm, I wouldn't be his friend, and I would be Yang's friend. But I wouldn't I would vote for him. Trump. That's fine. Trump like that's and that's okay with me. I'm not here to be friends with everybody. You know what I'm saying? Like I'm literally I'm I'm I, the people I do end up being friends with. Cool. I'm not here. I, I think it's I think it's unnatural in so many ways to have seven thousand people you call your friend. I don't think that that's natural. I think nah. it's more natural to have a, a decent circle of friends. If you had 15, 20 friends, all right, cool. Mm. I could I could see I could see some reality in that. That hey, bro, that is it. To me, it is. But you walk around here with people, seven thousand people you call your friends, and like you're really dapping them up, giving them hugs when you see them. You actually trying to text these. That's why when you look at certain people's phones, they got three hundred forty nine unread messages, and you sit there <laughs> like, damn, why so many people got access to you? I mean, and, and that's just a part of the culture. People don't even realize they're doing it, but it's like, bro, if you were, if in reality, if you actually had a genuine number of friends, your phone would probably be dry half the day. Oh, yeah. That's, that's I think yeah. that's natural. Yeah. But who am I? Baby pop, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> so what do you guys think is the, the vision or the plan for you guys moving forward? Like, if, if, if there was an ideal way for for the no boundary story because i'm really curious I, like i said i'm a fan and i'm not just saying that to, to dick ride i'm really i feel like what you guys are able to do is have conversations that are not only important but that other people not won't necessarily ever have i mean i, I think i think it will be cool for people to um I, I, what i told liz that time i just to be quoted and to be retweeted and to be reposted and to just for have people, I, I want. I really just want to. I I'd feel very good if we can genuinely just do it by word of mouth, and mm. just be a brand that is respected, sort of like in a a dark web underground type of way. That's me, like because once again, I like the idea of just having like a cult like following and not a lot of fakeness in there. Like, do do I do I know that comes with trolls? Maybe that's fine, but. For the most part, like, and I'm not sitting here. What did old buddy say? The ruling is the the the, the ceiling is the roof. Whatever, whatever, <laughs> whatever he was talking about. Like, I don't want to make people seem like I have like a 
um, a limit on the success, but I just, I don't really want an abundance of attention that will make me uncomfortable to the point where I'm like, I can't, I can't just go in a grocery store. I can't just, you know, just go, go to the gym and hoop and like, I, I, when I have come, when I have these type of conversations with people, I want them to become conversation with people because I choose, like, I, I want to have a conversation with Keith. You know, cool. I want to have a conversation with so and so. I like that, but I don't want to just be at the gas station and somebody just wants to come up to me talk about their political views. I don't mm. care. So that's that's me. Like, I just when people are when I'm talking to people, I still want it to be like I still want to have some sort of control over it, to where it's not out of hand. And I think a certain level of you don't pop- have many podcasts with everybody you talk to. Exactly. And I just. I just want I, my cap is because I feel like that's realistic. If it gets bigger, fine, but I don't. I, that's what I want it to look like. What it will end up looking like, who knows? You know. To to me, I want it to lead to people being comfortable having tough conversations. Mm. And I, I think a lot of people, uh, because of the social media age, like they get scared to have tough conversations. Like you'll get on Twitter and depending on. Uh, and a lot goes into who you follow and everything. And depending on who you follow, you might be, you know, pro-life. And that's fine. But in the, in, the, in the depths of your heart, you might be pro-choice. And I just want people to be comfortable having those difficult conversations. And if you have to go into our DMs or our timeline to have those conversations, I welcome that. And if that and if that leads to us having a, a bigger platform to have these conversations where people are sending me, sending us this feedback so like, well, I feel this way, and then we're on a podcast or a vlog or or something bigger to where I'm having this conversation for you so you don't have to, I welcome that as well. Because at this point, like you talk about, you know, hey, what if y'all had five million people following you, would you still be comfortable having those conversations? Mm-hmm. I don't know. But at this point, I'm comfortable having those conversations. Definitely, definitely. So, 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 what are you doing with um, with Nice Cast next? What are you doing with Vero? What are you doing with the Snyder Cut movement? What are you doing? <laughs> Don't you own like forty percent of Vero? <laughs> I have Vero frustrations like crazy. I have, I have crazy Vero frustrations. I feel like that ship has sailed for for me, unfortunately, because um, I feel like they don't really respect the ideas that I bring. And I've had these conversations of, uh, like, do I want to go the petty route with it? Because uh, it's frustrating. Like, I'll send emails on, well, hey, you all should be using Twitter to, to get your shit out there. And I gave concrete ideas on how I could manage the Twitter and grow the presence there. And it just gets ignored. Straight up ignored. Um, and then it's frustrating in, in that regard. Because... <laughs> Um, part of the frustration is, I guess, because I don't have enough success t- for anyone to really look at me as if I know what I'm talking about, uh, or at least even give me an opportunity. That, and also because I s- typed up a really formal email with concrete ways on how I can increase the Twitter presence. Like, I have, I think, uh, at the moment, like, 572 followers, but my analytics for Twitter are much greater than someone with 572 followers. Uh, like I reached almost 415,000 tweet impressions of like 572 followers. So in that regard, I know how to do it. So if I had a larger platform, I'm pretty sure I could, you know, get the message, the company's message out there. So I, I typed up this 
this really formal set of ideas and it went nowhere like i said and i was thinking that they always say you know if you want to like provide value the idea of providing value so instead of just saying that hey i want to ma- manage vero um give ways on how you would manage it and what's right. ironic is they're implementing the twitter page at least is slowly starting to implement some of the shit i put into that email but i haven't heard from them but without giving you credit yeah and it's uh it's frustrating because that platform just has so much potential but it's lovely i I enjoy it i I think it has a dope setup so in terms of that i I feel like the vero thing is if i'm gonna think optimistically i think it's a sign that uh for me to just because they the vero thing was cutting the check for some time right like they were they were they're helping out financially so that was good to have that income stream but now uh, i feel like it's just on me to to get the nice cast there and uh, the problem I have with the nice cast now is I'm not really sure what the fuck the nice cast is. Like, am I talking about superhero films? Am I talking about sports and music and relationships and mental health? Like, w- what the fuck do I even do? Um, so I've been trying to figure that out. And I honestly, I'm, I'm at like this point of, I don't know. Because the way social media content and even YouTube is designed is they don't want you to provide variety. They want you, yeah. they, they, they box you in and they want you to talk about one specific thing and that's it. Um, and I feel like that's that's sort of an injustice to people because no one is just one fucking thing. Are you like, well, yeah, <laughs> like what if as much as you love superhero films, what if you have a moment or if there's nothing even happening in superhero films when you want to talk about some other like real life shit and now your your posts aren't having the same reach because the algorithm thinks you're posting shit that people don't want to see from you. Now, so now you have a conversation of, well, am I posting for attention? Am I posting for views and the numbers? Or am I posting because this is something that's that's meaningful to me? Or like this is something that I, I want to talk about. So, yeah, it, it's a tough struggle, man. Like the the to, to build a business out of it is is a is a tough struggle. That. When people sit there and like you know those YouTube ads that play that say like oh they'll they'll have like a, a screenshot of their bank account that sh- that has like six <laughs> figures. <in. laughs> it makes me really wonder of if it, like why why are people presenting it to be that simple? Like when even when influencers are this huge influencer marketing buzzword, the influencers I only really get paid unless they're someone huge or a celebrity. They only get paid if somebody buys a product. So right. you can you, you can be a sponsor for the biggest brand all you want, but if no one's gonna go use your promo code, no, you're not gonna get paid. So how do you really genuinely tap into to building a business is, is the challenge for me, and I haven't really figured it out yet. But you know, I think that's part of the part of the process. Um. Uh, so so what, what was the high? I know when, I know when I first start following you. Mm-hmm. Um. I remember one of the first memes. I think it was a Squidward meme. Where he was laying down on the beach, and I think he said something like, "Oh, when you tell your friends you have a new podcast, and then it's like one side they like, it's like basically they just stopped, Squidward just stopped looking away. He just went yeah. back to sleep. Yeah. And uh, and I think around that time, what you had like twenty k. Uh, I think so. Yeah, possibly. So, yeah. And what was the reason for you to uh to dismantle that account? <sighs> one, I was shadow banned on that account. Um, for real? Yeah. And that I was shadow banned at like fifty five thousand, I believe, or close to fifty five thousand. So then I started fresh and then i started fresh again and then went private 
uh, with the thing of like, well, if everyone's trying to trying to go big, maybe you should try try to just go small and and cultivate like a more intimate community. Um, and my hope with that was because I don't really think you can really ever make money off off Instagram. Like even if you, I don't know what you guys think about Gary V, but even Gary V will sit there and say, I don't ever want to make a single cent off Instagram. So Instagram is really just your exposure tool. Yeah, so you have yeah. you have to you have to divert that attention elsewhere. So I figured, all right, well, if I go private and I'm trying to cultivate a, a smaller community, and I go out and I put a, a YouTube video out, and I'm sure that a thousand people at least are going to see this, then I'm okay with that because I, I can build and grow from that. Uh, but even that wasn't happening. So then it was like the the uncomfortable conversation of social media conversion is just utter trash. Um, I think like even today, email marketing has better conversion percentage than social media does. So now you have to to kind of re-strategize on what do you really want, you know, the nice cast to be. And yeah, it's tough. It's very, I think very ultimately tough. it kind of feels like if you don't have, I, I think that's the, that's why clickbaiting is so important because it's ultimately that's the, yeah, that's, uh, the, that's the, the, the depressing part. And that's the really uncomfortable conversation as well of, you have something that you are against or you like something in your internal voice is telling you that I don't want to go down this path with my shit. But then you see how effective that is. Right. So now you're torn because do you want results or do you want like, you know, uh, your ideals don't pay bills results do, you know? Yeah. And yeah. it's kind of just like, how long can you ride it out for? Um, and yeah, sorry, but you were saying. No, I was just saying, I mean, people eventually have to go to an actual website. You actually have you actually have to have something that you're sure. offering people. Like so when people think about the nice cast, I mean, where are they going? Are they gonna go to Twitter, which is somebody else's platform? They're gonna sure. go to YouTube, which is somebody else's platform. Eventually mm-hmm. I think the important thing with all of us is we have to realize that we have to have our own platform that they can That's come back to. Um, you are one of the first people to point out that, you know, when you're on Instagram and you say, Hey, click the click the link in my bio, like Instagram is against that. They don't want you to leave their they don't want you to leave their app. They don't want you to leave their website. So eventually you have to ask yourself, what other ways are there to get people to actually come to me? You know, so I think even, it's just important. Even YouTube is like that, because I've been doing a lot of research on how to like build the YouTube presence. Even YouTube is, is very much like that. Like views are important, but what YouTube focuses more on is watch time. So they want Initially, like my, all my videos were, I think, like 20, 25 minutes. And people were saying, well, make this video shorter, make it eight, nine minutes long. But YouTube actually encourages long form videos because that means more people are on YouTube. So even if your video, let's say your video is 20 minutes long and um, it has 200 views, it may rank higher if the watch time on that video is longer. So if the analytics show that a 20 minute video, people stayed for 15 minutes, that's a good sign for them to promote it because that's saying that there must be some content on this shit that caused this person to stay for 15 out of those 20 minutes, even if the views aren't there. So then they'll promote your video more because they care about watch time. They want as many people in YouTube as as much as possible. 
That's how we, uh, that's how we would want our website. We would want the people on the website exactly. long enough to, to see an ad or to want to buy a shirt or mm. to want to donate to a Patreon. Um, I mean, YouTube, you get down the rabbit hole. Like you start here, you get through this video. It's like, oh, look at this. This video's a like. Or, you know, hey, I like this guy. Let me run through four or five videos. And then you just have YouTube playing in the background while you're listening to this person. And what bothers me the most is like the consumption is it's kind of like just I feel like people just I don't know if you guys are the same way. You just kind of want like background noise. So you're not even really engaged with the video. If that makes any sense, you're kind of yeah. just it's it's just passively there. And gotcha. Gotcha. Um, to create something that actually keeps someone engaged is, is a crazy process on its own of like. It's like you said, where the thing of you have to have so many skills to make that happen, you know, like you mm -hmm. just can't you just can't put out a video and just talk about something that you're passionate about. You got to you got to there's got to be showmanship. There's got to be there's got to be some shit to where people actually have to to are engaged and give a fuck about what you're saying about a particular subject. And what I've learned with social media and I think even YouTube in general is if someone wants a makeup tutorial, right, how do you get the person to to come to you always for a makeup tutorial like so in in that person's mind you are the the definitive voice for makeup for that person instead of you being the definitive uh presence for a particular video and social media is the same exact way where if news breaks you can have 50 accounts post about it so you're not you care about the information you're not caring where that information's coming from there's no like loyalty in that regard. It's, it's kind of like with NFL news, like you believe Adam Schefter. Adam Schefter yeah. is your coach. Yeah, or yeah. like you could just be on, like forget, like before it was like, if I want news, I got to go to the website. I got to go to ESPN or I got to, that's where I get the sports scores. Now someone yep. with an account who's not even, not even, may not even have a website. Right. Yep. And they can just post a score for, uh, at halftime for a football game or some breaking yep. news. You see it and you're done. But you, you're not really caring about where that information is coming from. You're caring. You, you care about the information. So what I've been thinking is, how do you make people care about where that information is from? Because I think if you want to ever really monetize and be fan funded, which I think would be the ultimate goal for me, you don't care about the information. You got to care about where that information is coming from because you can get information at, 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 whenever you freaking want like you just go to youtube and type in like makeup tutorial there'll be like millions of videos on makeup tutorials but how do you care about the makeup tutorial from this particular person only mm -hmm. and maybe that's just maybe that's not possible maybe that's something that is uh too far-fetched but that is that is ultimately what i would want the nice casty sort of evolve into or where like the subjects I talk about are become this this place where people go for that because it's from me um, and because they're going to get sort of this unfiltered raw perspective and like a genuine perspective about it. That could just be, you know, my own ego and my own selfishness as well. Uh, part of it, it could be that. But yeah, that that's the that's the the grind for me. I don't know if any of that made sense, but oh no, no, I got you, I got you, I got you. The source, it, it makes sense. Yeah, and it's it's Damn, not a climate of. where it's not a climate where you uh, where being a source for anything is is encouraged. It's more just like I said, the, the chase for the information. Right. 
what make what makes it appealing? Because I mean, damn, it was a point of time where I remember when uh This Is Fifty and DJ Vlad TV. Yeah, you know, it was just certain. It was certain, you know, uh, venues were the go to, and now it's just it's Shade so room. flooded. <laughs> and the ones that the ones that had the attention, it's like, why is the Shade Room so popular? Yeah. Why is Baller Alert so popular? And it was just like, I mean, it's a. I guess it's a, a mixture of the presentation. Um, it's not even a presentation. It's just a screenshot with their watermark on it. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, that is true. That is true. It's not true. even. It's just. It's just eyes. And but it then TMZ is what it is. Definitely, yeah. definitely. Man, that and is that is wild. It's effective, so you can't even be mad at it, right? It's it's your white supremacy argument of like shit is effective. It really is. <laughs> we it can really be upset is. and hate of hate it, but shit, they they can commoditize yoga like nothing. <laughs> when people when people from our own culture couldn't do that shit. No, no. They can like, they can have. With everything huh? you just said, it has me thinking. It's like that's what I want us to be as the source. Like, hey, this is what's going on. Let me see yeah. what these guys think about it because they think akin to yeah. how I think. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, that, that makes sense. I I think I, I hit Willie up as soon as the Jay Z thing broke, and I, I told him I'm like I can't wait for you guys to dissect this because I yeah, yeah it, it feels good when people tell us that yeah because yeah. I think that is the the value in what you guys do is that perspective that I know I'm not gonna get this on the Joe Budden podcast I'm not gonna get this on Drink Champs I may not even get this on Joe Rogan yeah I'm getting this from you guys so there's certain information that you know you. To, to become the source for it, or at least uh, appreciate it for your yeah, opinion. Yeah, because people don't realize how much time and shit goes into it. Like they they think that oh it's just a podcast episode. No, there's there's a lot of shit that goes into it. Oh, both definitely. Before, during, and after. So, mm-hmm. um, like I said, we're not in a in a climate that would allow the majority of the people to look at it that way so i think that's why it's even more difficult to monetize social media because when i I try to have a conversation about monetizing my post because i'll I'll share my opinion on a a review or something of a film and people will hit me up in the comments and say you don't explain shit and i'm like well if you want me to (laughs) if you want me to type out an essay to you in the comment section you're gonna have to pay for that so then it turned into this whole thing of uh well why the fuck would i pay you for a meme and i'm like well you're not really paying me for a meme you're paying me to fucking just continue to create what I want to create. You're empowering me in that regard. And you're allowing me to engage with you in a, in a, in a much more different way. Where now, because you're financially invested, I don't mind typing out essays to you, completely explaining. But if you want me to do that for free, are you out of your mind? Like, do, you not realize, do you not realize that t- it go, there's time in this? Like You have time to type out essays and comments. I don't have that time. Mm-hmm. For what? Just so just so you can what? Just troll me? Like that's what that, that, oh, that's whack. <laughs> yep. Yep. <laughs> exactly. Or, put, or, or, or or my favorite now, the clown emoji, the, the stream of clown emoji. <laughs> <laughs> that, <laughs> that clown emoji is epic, bro. <laughs> Cause it's I mean, that was one of the first things I seen when I got on Twitter. I was like, bro, like it is some clowns on here, bro. It's like, hey, go ahead, take your clown nose and, and go on home somewhere. But you know, I think the- I you know what's depressing is like the art of shit does not matter anymore. <laughs> Bro, it, it was a point of time where you could actually you would actually put some thought into your Photoshop. It now they just they just slap a head on something. Like I'm <laughs> like, bro, this is awful. And then they it did this screenshot of so many times. It's like you took the picture on an Android. It's like, <laughs> oh well, I'm still using this. It's like ah, whatever. 
But yeah, I do I do love quality. I always have. But I ain't gonna lie, I fell into that trap too. It's like, hey, fuck it, somebody else use it. I'm gonna use it. It's gonna get the point across. Yeah. That's the But, but I think we, we should talk and see if we can uh ever both of us can or both of our the no boundaries and the nice cast can maybe do something more together. Cause I feel like we, we can have conversations from a much different lens that that may be more important than than other people can do it. Oh yeah, and we all come from different backgrounds, you know. Yeah. You know, all three of us. So yeah, I think I think that's always important too. And I also, you know, the thing I the thing I appreciate about Jay is like Jay's not really a yes man. Like Jay mm-hmm. has his beliefs, I have my beliefs. Yeah, they may align at times, but it's just based on the fact that you know, um, I mean that's 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 just who we are. It's not like it's a forced. You know, and yeah. I can kind of tell like you're the same way too, and um, and I think I think it goes further than just agreeing or believing. It's just respecting, mm-hmm. you know, differing views. And as long as you have that, I think I I, I think that's that's what um that's what um creates better conversations. Yeah. Like I said, I, I don't really listen to Joe Button and him like that, but I, I can imagine that you know he's the center of it. You know, he a lot of shit. Very that, much. You know, if if, if he's saying it, you know, I don't know how much he's being challenged, if he's being challenged at all. Um, I mean, I, I don't want that. And I've never been a fan of that. I've always been a fan of, hey, if you're going to challenge me to think about something, I'm, a, you know, I'm, I'll, I'll think about it. But if you're not going to challenge me, then I'm not going to waste my time. Because it's, really it's because <clears throat> it was like, OK, this is a Charlemagne podcast where his co-host hypes him up. Yeah, I don't then his that. co-host went and got a, a show called Flavor 2, where it's like, okay, the people that are there with him are just there to hype him up. Like, there, there is no debate. It's like, this is your show and you have a hype man. That's all. Yeah. yeah. And, 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 I'm, and, and the funny thing is, I'm, I'm not even here to debate. Mm. Just here to have conversations. But yeah. I know that when you listen to a lot of the other podcasts, like, they have these views, to me, in my opinion, that... De- that deserve to be debated, like what we were talking about on the, uh, our last podcast. Like, you could go out and have this, you know, this. You could you can slander Dave Chappelle's, uh, you know, uh, last stand up. But I'm like, it would feel so much better. I mean, if you could actually have Dave Chappelle sitting there with you, and you know, let's talk about let's talk about my, my stand up. So why did you feel this way? Like, and Dave Chappelle actually can you know give you some insight on on the joke, which I feel is unnecessary, but. I think that would make for a better conversation and you would actually see uh, the humanity in a person rather than just beating them up because they don't agree with you. I, I hate that. I hate that. That's probably one of the main aspects of Twitter that I hate is that you just have these people that just go on these rants and it's just like, bro, like nobody's really here to defend themselves. You're just talking shit. Yeah. That's that's why I just most of the time I'm just on Twitter laughing mm. or I'm just point, pointing out the obvious just in case nobody sees it. Because it's some it's some shit that's obvious that people just kind of overlook. They'll just retweet it, but it's like, hey, bro. You but is it, is it frustrating for you to see what gets empowered on Twitter? Oh yeah, oh yeah. Because I think a lot of I think a lot of foolery gets empowered on Twitter. And my thing is, do you do you? I, I'm always looking at certain trends, and I'm like, where the hell did this come from? Is mm-hmm. anybody asking this question? This isn't right. Like this is weird. And then yeah. it gets to the point where it's like. Oh, I forgot. I'm the weird one. I'm the, you know, like, oh my bad. 
like, yeah. this and not just jumping into the flow of it. Yeah, and that's why I respect uh, Saha so much. Or one of his posts, he said the other day, he was like, you know, I realized I lost forty thousand followers because of my uh my Kanye appreciation. Yeah, and he, he was like, you know what? I don't I don't care because Twitter's not the real world. <laughs> it's like because when I go out into the real world, I'm telling you, like. I don't get that same type of energy that I get from from people on like Black Twitter. Like to me, when I'm out in the real world, Black Twitter doesn't even exist. Like people are just people, and like I mean, I'm be honest, I've had people on, we've had people on the show that I'm surprised we were able to have, you know, genuine, you know, non problematic conversations with. It just we just had our conversations, we went on our way, and I and I and I look at these same people on Twitter and be like, damn, I'm surprised I get along with this person, but. <laughs> At the end of the day, they're just on Twitter, they're like personality. yeah, they're just and, and a lot of times they're just having fun, you know, because this is the type of shit they couldn't get away with in real life. Interesting. You know? so, so you think it's an escapism element to it? I hope it is for some people. Okay. But then again, some people. I never man, thought about social media as like escapism, but yeah, that would make sense. Because uh, I looked at some of those jerk, those Joker reviews, and <laughs> it was one chick that she was like, "It's complete and utter trash," and and I'm just sitting here like. When you went in there, what were you going in there for? <laughs> Did you go in there thinking that you were going to watch Gladiator or um, A Beautiful Mind? Mm-hmm. I mean, this is a freaking... This, this is, at the end of the day, it's a comic book movie with yeah. a, that, that comes from a different angle. It's a, Like Todd Phillips said, it's a, uh, it's a different interpretation of the character. Enjoy it or don't. But to, mm-hmm. to go in there and like to go deeper than a lot of these people are going, it's like, damn, do y'all not have anything else better to do? And that's why I said on one of the pods, like, man, a lot of these bloggers and and these so on uh, so called cr- critics, like, they have way too much influence, yeah. way too much. I'm like, wait, yep, it's insane to me. But I'm like, hey, more power to them, because at the end of the day, I know they're. I th- I think a lot of them are trolls. I think a lot of them are trolls, and they're just trying to get a reaction because it. Of it if I if I write this bad review about this highly anticipated movie. Yes. and it works it works <laughs> it, it yeah you're right it works all the time too it's not even just like it's gonna work once and then that the magic wears off it generally works all the time and then you just get boxed like what if you, that's it that that becomes your thing that's all that's all you can do then because that's all you'll get attention for so even if you have other creative ideas you're gonna explore them I have this theory on, like, if you took away, I, I really wish one day, like, the most creative minds on the internet, YouTube, podcasting, whatever, I, like, I want there to be a day where they just kind of wake up and one of their views, like, videos does, like, substantially less views. And I want to see what the fuck their reaction is. Like, do they just have the motivation to to keep pushing? Or do they say, all right, like, what the fuck? Like, do they have, like, a breakdown? Because the views don't fucking match. Yeah, that's why I'm waiting for, like, Instagram to take the like count away. It's going to hurt people. I'm I'm wondering how you're going to function when it doesn't say, you know, you you people can't go and say, oh, 1.2 million people like this. Like, yeah, you you got some like. You can see it, but the public can't. Yeah, because I think think it's a, it's a, I think the power of numbers I think it, it's a it, it gives a person a certain type of uh, feeling to know that yeah bitch I got I got one thousand two hundred <laughs> likes on it you see it don't you but That's it means money. fucking nothing That's stuff like <laughs> yeah. how stupid are we to ever ever believe that it could it means something it really means nothing like you know, nothing it's a new concept it's a new concept we 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 weren't we didn't until we didn't there was like know. a Bitcoin currency for likes 
where you accumulate a million likes throughout a year and that translates into like a hundred dollars for you and you can just cash out i could understand then but we don't even have that fucking system so you can take those likes and you can go to and find a sponsor but what what value is that of like what what like i don't understand at all i don't uh, i was talking about this on twitter where you guys know ray fisher right he played uh, cyborg on uh, justice league mm-hmm. he started a twitch and i want to get you guys' opinion on on celebrities doing internet content but he started a twitch and his last twitch stream has like eight views um and i'm not throwing shade because i like empathize with that because i know how difficult it is to to feel like you get attention because he can put up a tweet and get this positive reinforcement and this exposure and then you go out and you say hey this is what the fuck my passion is video games and people don't show up that Mm -hmm. does fuck with you it fucks with you a lot because you get conditioned to believing that you matter on one platform and then you go and you play video games for two hours which is exhausting and you entertain people for two hours through that process and then your video does eight views that will fuck with you a lot damn ray fisher did that yeah his like you go go to his twitch right now like his the the video from last week is i think like 154 views mm-hmm. and damn. it's over two hours of him just playing this video game but it messes with you so even for celebrities like it's a level playing field in many ways like you, you, you're Instagram well, have half a million followers. Yeah, and he's, and he's verified. So yeah, and but when when you go out and you want to explore things that you actually want to explore, shit is wild. Like um, Mark Twight was telling me he did all the he, like used to be a climber, then he trained uh, everyone on three hundred and and Henry Cavill for Man of Steel. So he has his uh his media entity called Nonprofit, um, and. Uh, their way of monetizing was actually like coming up with physical products in the form of of a really like pristine looking book um, and these magazines that they were doing. So Jason Momoa is really close to Mark. And Jason Momoa, when he started his YouTube channel, he has an entire video uh, of him going up and hanging out with Mark. And Mark was telling me, he's like, when Jason posted that video, I thought our servers were going to crash. I thought we were going to have all our books sold out and he's like we didn't sell a single book from jason momoa promoting on his youtube and that like jason was one of the biggest stars now because aquaman did a billion dollars so you think that you have that person's influence and cachet and impact but it's not translating it's not converting into anything so what the fuck is the value of a view like really So, so Mark and his partner, they sold more books just by cultivating their audience than any celebrity promotion. And yeah. you would typically think that, like, for influencer marketing, if you want to sell your shit, make your own content. Because influencers that's the, really- That's the karma you talked about. That's the yeah. action. Yeah, yeah. that's it. it. And, like, everyone just gets caught up into thinking that, like, these... Uh, individuals who we put on like a higher level are going to be able to make shit happen and then they get on social media and realize that they have trouble getting people to convert just as much as someone as like myself does and, oh yeah oh yeah and that's that's uh like i said it's a level playing field 
and you got to be like really built for the, the the entire grind of trying to figure shit out because it's it's really it's really fucked. Yeah. I, I don't have an issue with um with uh entertainers, you know, mm-hmm. getting on on the podcast and all that shit. Uh, I, I would I would just say that you know the reality is yeah it clogs up the market, especially when they're Very not bringing much. nothing new. Very but much. If they have a passion for it, who am I to knock them? Because they, I mean, just like just like we figured out, hey, podcasting is dope. They mm-hmm. they have that they have the right and the freedom to go into the market and see it. Hey, this may work for me. I like it. They just want to record. They want to have conversations. But what's fucked up is when like Joseph Gordon Levitt started a podcast. It's like a mini series podcast. Mm-hmm. And episode one, he has top billing as soon as you open the podcast app. And and that's the difference. It's unfair. Every, it's it seems unfair. Everyone yeah. wants to grow at the end of the day, right? Like internally, everyone wants to do well and grow, even if it's why you want to grow. Growth is the goal, I would say, for everyone. Like you guys, from my perspective, should want no boundaries to grow. And not saying you don't, but you should because what you guys do is fucking amazing. So if more listens and plays and eyes and growth allows you all to do even better things and evolve as creators... Everyone should want that for themselves. So when you have celebrities come and they just get freaking top placement on Apple's podcast app, and that's the first thing someone sees, it's like if Joseph Gordon-Levitt puts out an hour podcast, and I feel like we've had some insightful moments on this one alone, and then you have a choice of someone saying, all right, well, I I could listen to this for an hour, I could listen to this for an hour plus or whatever, what are they going to gravitate towards? Are they going to give a shot? To, to someone they haven't necessarily not have known of and because and then and then you get into that even larger conversation of how much fucking content is out there between streaming platforms that was like um when cj mccullough started his podcast like he hadn't even put an episode out and he was ranked like number three and shit's I, crazy man it was like you you have nothing here yeah you're, you're number three yeah it is wild it is wild it just it just it it, it gives you it's a front door to what privilege looks like. Cause I said, I mean, it's just a celebrity privilege. And I think at the end of the day, the content will speak for itself because Definitely. I mean, if we just like y'all said earlier, I mean, there's a lot of podcasts we walked away from cause they were shit. And it was just like, Hey man, you know, stick to acting or stick to playing basketball. Some people just don't, some people just don't, Hey, some people just don't got it. You know what I heard the other day? Um, and I've been like, I feel like it's weird. The universe has been like, presenting me this message over and over again of like if if your content is good the market will will react right um and i've been doing a lot of like look at like researching into steve jobs and he he said that numerous times as well as like if if our products are amazing the, the the market will let us know and where i feel like that's different for us is we have to be at least given the opportunity for you exactly. to even judge if our like i don't know if uh my product is trash if you don't click play on it <laughs> I, I i can't know i can't i don't even have the luxury of knowing how the market is reacting to the shit i'm putting out because it's not getting that the play so if someone comes and says yo your, your shit is trash great but are you saying that because you actually saw it and listened to it or are you just saying that because i'm not a celebrity and I don't have X number of followers, but I'm telling you that I feel like I'm doing shit a lot of other people on the internet aren't doing, and you want to hate on that. Where is that coming from? So yeah, like we the the challenge for us is fucking getting people to actually 
give a fuck and even give us the opportunity uh, of and how do you do that? It's crazy how people care more about rich people than regular. Like, like it's like, oh, I, I got to hear what uh, Mariah Carey's talking about. You know, she might be struggling over there. Like, that's, what? Seriously? It's interesting you say that because that's another thing I told Vera. I told Eamon. I'm like, yo, celebrities aren't even what makes social media interesting. So when people get on Vero and you guys like gas them up because Madonna made a Vero account, Madonna's making posting the same shit on her Vero as on, on her Instagram. What incentive does someone have to come to your platform to see the same shit that they can see on Instagram? Exactly. What, <laughs> what incentive do you have? But you want to hype up the fact that a celebrity's on your platform is not about celebrities. If they're not, it, it, it can be about celebrities if they're posting unique shit there, but it's really about the people that make the platform. Like meme yeah. accounts, people yeah, no, so oftentimes yeah. without faces that can make an entire platform interesting. People that can just virtually screenshot tweets and build up six-figure followings, even if there's no real value to that, it's still eyes and ears at the end of the day. So, mm. yeah, yeah, it's all it's all fucked. <laughs> <laughs> Damn, ambitious crossover, huh? Hey, <laughs> I'm gonna make that meme. Uh, I'm gonna make that meme when this when, when this episode is out. The Marvel, the, the Infinity War is the most ambitious crossover. <laughs> <laughs> hey, the, the the fanboys are gonna hate it, but it is what it is. Um, you already know this segment. Uh, I mean, people been they've been listening, but they may not know how to get to you. Like, what what are your handles? Uh, so you guys can get me uh, on the NiceCast at uh, on Instagram, the NiceCast on Vero. Twitter is the NiceCast underscore, and uh, YouTube is uh, youtube.com forward slash c forward slash the NiceCast. Already, already. And um, you know this part of the segment. Um, you you know um, we do words of advice. Yeah. And I think this. I think we dropped so many gems. It's like <laughs> I still got something though. Um, and I, I, I actually have some. We've been sitting here for a while, and um, I actually do have some. So I'll go ahead and go first, and uh, it's since you're the it's since you're the guest, you can go last. Uh, <laughs> but um, I think when I really sit here and think about um work, I just I think that everybody needs to understand that. Uh, I, I know a lot of people are against the uh, mentality of um, I think they call it bootstrap mentality, but I, I think that. People need to understand that, yes, all work is not going to have a similar output, but it doesn't mean, you know, give up. So I think that, you know, talking to you and realizing like you just came out of nowhere and you built up a following and like you're doing all these things to, you know, you're connected with Vero, you're doing interviews with Twite and like you're doing big things. That doesn't mean that somebody else listening it can follow your same footsteps and be in the same spot as you three or four years from now and I still doesn't I still don't think that's a reason to quit so I really feel like you know I talked about patience we talked about karma and I, and I really feel like anybody listening to this needs to understand that in, at the end of the day uh, one common variable in all of this is like hey man get up and do something if you feel it's important get up and do it be active about it be real about it and also be realistic about it and, and once again like don't give up I think that's I think that's a common theme that everybody should embrace is not giving up. Because I feel like when people quit, a lot of times they quit at the very moment that they probably could have broke through and been the next, you know. So, yeah, I mean, that's that's my words of advice. I mean, as cliche as it is, like, don't fucking give up. 
Can I interject on on the thing you said about karma? It's like you know they always say um well you see situations where people obtain success and they're still miserable. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And and they either pick up uh, a substance uh, addiction or maybe God forbid like they commit suicide or whatever. And you always ask yourself like that person to you seems like they have everything. So why are they miserable? Mm-hmm. And and that's I think ultimately what fascinates me the most about karma is that is where it's just action. And you have to live with what with whatever the consequence of that action is. So even if you gain success and you're miserable, that is just fucking karma. If you don't gain success and you're miserable or you're happy, still karma. And I think when I look about it, look think about it that way, like that should make sense to me. Is like you wanted success, you did all this shit for success, you're still miserable. And maybe this sounds like insensitive, but you don't you can't control the outcome of like how the shit is exactly you you can't ultimately that shit is out of your control so if if you were perfectly happy being broke and now you have all the money and you're miserable it's fucking karma like, yeah. You, live yeah. you live with it like yeah. i can't like i can't feel bad for you because you 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 have to realize that you got something and you were basically not willing to accept the negative of the positive you got and you got to be willing to like upset like live with both uh like the, like those things just exist dynamically mm-hmm. like you're always being given negative shit and positive shit and that's it and positive comes from negative negative comes from positive it's just, yeah, it's just shit life. happens exactly <laughs> but yeah my bad jace cut you off <laughs> well my word advice actually i'm almost take something that you said earlier about knowing your worth it's kind of like like you said you might allow somebody to walk all over you for a, a number of times or a number of instances or even a number of years. And then you have to really sit back and reflect and know your worth. Are, are you worth what this person, the way this person is cheating, treating you? Are you worth the way that this person is looking at you? Or are you worth more? You have to find some self-value in, in, in yourself. And I know we probably said this numerous times on this on the show, but I truly do believe that you need to know your own worth. And you either need to add tax to it or you need to slash the price because some some people get a little too confident in their self-worth and they aren't worth the shit that they that they say they are. And then some people say that they're not worth shit and it turns out they're worth a whole lot more. Oh, yeah. So you really need to look at yourself truly and honestly and know your worth. I like that. That's great. That's great. Um, my, I guess, would be just... Don't be afraid to be weird or feel weird. Because I think if you just look at some of the conversations we had on this episode, I, my perception is that because we may have covered subjects that other people would be like, well, that, like, why are they getting so deep or whatever? Like, shit is not deep to us. That's just how we are. <laughs> <laughs> like, that, that's just how we are. And if being deep can at least for me through my experiences has has resulted in me being painted as someone who's weird like people have actively because i've always opted to to stay in and have like insightful conversations with my friends when my with when my friends just wanted to party and gamble and sleep with women and i'm like no why don't we just stay in watch a movie or just fucking talk to each other and i became the weird one so my words of wisdom or advice would just be uh don't be afraid to be weird everyone is weird it's just the like who who wants to really display it and own it and those are the people that i feel like we should empower the ones that aren't necessarily afraid to be different or just be themselves 
And it sounds cliche and everyone says be yourself, but people don't realize it. It's hell being yourself. A lot of people <laughs> don't do it. <laughs> you you got to live with a lot of uncomfortable things about yourself. Like you got to feel like a shitty person some days. Uh, and a, a lot of days you got to have uncomfortable conversations of like, damn, I'm really a, a trash human being. And, <laughs> but, but, but that does but that does come with being yourself. So that's that's the side of uh, that's the side of being yourself. That's not always going to get put out there. So don't be afraid to be weird. Already, like that. That story when you were talking about how you you was just you know just wanted to chill in the house and they wanted to go you know mess with women and party or whatever. I was thinking about old buddy from Stranger Stranger Things. He just he just wanted to play Dungeons and Dragons. Bro, we were we were at a we were at a bachelor party one day and um like we had like strippers come over and all my friends were like you know engaging in stuff with them. I'm just in there playing 2K and and until this day. <laughs> and until this day, um, that that's like the the constant joke is like we had naked women and he was just playing Xbox and it's like well <laughs> yeah, that that's more at the time I mean even now like I don't, you can see naked women anywhere so open up Instagram exactly let's go to Instagram <laughs> that shit is wild bro <laughs> the shit we embrace man but hey bro it, it, this was long overdue anybody listening man just know that. You know, we've been rocking with the nice cash for a while. Yeah, uh, man. And I fuck with no boundaries, man. You guys are amazing. Yeah, appreciate that, man. And uh man, you keep doing your thing too, man. Keep dropping. I I I really find it hard to get on YouTube a lot of times just because a lot of stuff happened on YouTube that I didn't appreciate with like a lot of the deplatforming of people and yeah. the people that uh, the shit they promote on there. But uh man, yeah, keep doing your YouTube thing, keep dropping your podcast, man. Uh uh hopefully the shit with Vero works out. Uh, you know, you know, keep keep being weird, bro. Cause uh, that's one thing that you bring to the table. That's uh, that's that's pretty uh, fascinating. So yeah, keep doing yeah. that, bro. And, you guys uh, as well, man. This was I'm a fan. Like I said, I've I've dick rolled both of you so much <laughs> <laughs> on this podcast. But I, I'm legitimately a fan, man. I I want to see you guys succeed, and we should definitely talk on how we can do some stuff together in the future. Oh yeah, this is this a first, but it won't be a last, man. It won't be a yeah. last. Thank you guys for having me. What is it? Uh, you know, Spotify. Y'all know where to find us, man. <laughs> this SoundCloud, Spotify, iTunes podcast. You can find a nice cast on YouTube. Is there a reason the the no is a zero? Because I feel like both of you came up with a deep meaning for why the no should be a zero, in in, in no boundaries. Deep meaning to it. Oh, no, because no is is the zero is nothing. So it's no. like, is it just because it's, it's no ba- zero boundaries? Okay. No boundaries. Got you. And, I never knew that. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and the, it, it, when I when I was doing it, it worked out because I don't think that the no boundaries um because it was available. Yeah. I, it was available. I could have used no boundaries podcast, but I just like the zero because it it just meant none. No, there mm-hmm. there are no there are no boundaries. Um, yeah, it, it, it's not that deep though. <laughs> I was thinking about like the the origin of the number zero and infinite and what like if you if you guys were going that angle with it, but that that, that takes... <laughs> it, it it worked out. It worked out. <laughs> and hey, I, I'm glad people noticed it. But yeah, we could have definitely just put no boundaries. But I was like, no, nah, but just go ahead and put the zero on here, and then uh, hopefully uh somebody asks me that question one day, and it worked out. <laughs> with that being said, this has been. The No Boundaries, Nice Cast, Podcast, whatever you call it. We just want to say we thank you for listening. But ever since the dawn of civilization, 
people had craved for an understanding of the underlying order of the world. There ought to be something very special about the boundary conditions of the universe. And what can be more special than that there is no boundary 